We are back, man. Episode 218, and today we are here with former NFL running back, 805, very own Lorenzo Booker. Lorenzo, thank you for coming, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate y'all, man. Glad for having me. Dude, I'm, uh, I'm glad to have you back here today. We are uh, back from our break, and I'm, I'm excited for this interview, dude. Um, I've heard a lot about you, especially from TJ. <laughs> TJ, <laughs> TJ is, uh, he's the man, dude. He's one of, uh, one of our favorite guests on T- the podcast. TJ is like, there's this documentary on Netflix called The Black Godfather. <laughs> so he's like the guy behind the scenes of everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. TJ's kind of like that. La Flama Blanca. He's a know? good guy, man. You, got <laughs> you don't find many people like him, man. Yeah. But uh, thank you for coming, bro. I appreciate, I appreciate it. So uh, so let's get into it, man. Former NFL star. What was that like, dude? You know what? I, I think about it sometimes because I, I don't think I ever got out of the little kid phase of dreaming to be it. Yeah. So even when I was there, I didn't spend a whole bunch of time thinking about it. You know, occasionally I'd be like in the locker room while everybody was praying and I'd look around at the back of the jerseys and be like, you know, what the hell am I doing here? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I didn't expect to be there, but you know, it's one thing to kind of know you're going to do something, which I did. And most people don't understand when I say I knew it just, I just knew for whatever reason. And, yeah. uh, but actually being there was still different, you yeah. know, the realization of it. But again, I just, I've always been so super motivated. I never really spent time analyzing anything that I ever did until like years after I was done. You know? mm. So it's kind of cool though to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you always knew that you were gonna be in that position? I did. Um, it's hard for people to understand. I just, I didn't, I mean, to the degree that I never use words like if, hope, mm. wish, mm-hmm. because I think what those words do is they create separation from you and it. and. We were talking a little bit before we started. I'm like super into physics. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, using words like I am, take that separation, they take the distance out of it. So it's more of calling it into being, just more realizing it, materializing it from my mind than anything else. When did you start having this uh, this way of thinking about things? I just always did. And you know, it's kind of weird. So most of my teammates, no matter where I was at, they always had this moment when they fell in love with football or when they, I mean, even my cousin Carrie, who's, you know, a legend around here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to USC when he left, he was their all time leading receiver. He went to Wyoming high school. So, but even he was like a basketball player at first, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so my earliest memories of him are him doing layups, not catching slants. Yeah. But for me, it was like, I was like born with a helmet on or something. Mm. You know, I just can't, even before I was old enough, cause now you could play when you're six, uh-huh. full contact football. When I was younger, you couldn't play to your eight. So me and my best friend VJ and my older brother, Davon, they would like play catch with me because I couldn't catch for nothing when I was a kid, which is weird because yeah. I'm known as like a dual threat, you know, running back. But I couldn't catch at all. So and from like six to like 11, I was like working on my hands, you know, but from like five to eight, it was like preparing to play football. You know, like I would cut my mom's shoulder pads out of her blazers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I was crazy. The blade. Uh, yeah, I went throwback, huh? Why they put those, dog? I know, man. I, you know what? I'm going to ask her. You know? That probably had to be the thing back in the day where it had to be level. <laughs> well, you know, it was like, 
when you bought football uniforms back then, they only came with like the plastic helmet and the shoulder pads. So I didn't have the thigh pads or the knee pads. So I would cut her shoulder pads out to make the bottom, you know, <laughs> ass whoopings. But, you know, hey, I was on to something. She just didn't know about it then. Yeah. <laughs> did did anybody know about it? Um, I can say outside of myself, I'll say there's only two people that really like told me I was great before. You know, I started being in the paper and stuff. Yeah. Because I don't even like counting Pop Warner football because there's a lot of people that are good when they're kids and they just fizzle out. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. For whatever reason. Either you don't have it or you just stop working hard, but whatever. But my uh, my uncle Gus and uh, Ricky McGee, they would come to my games when I was like nine or ten. And no matter how much older other kids were or whatever, they were like, they always told me I was the best. Yeah. Like, you know, so... Even my mom, I would tell her, but she's my mom. She's yeah. supposed to believe, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even she'll tell you, okay, I started really understanding when you're like a sophomore. Yeah. When I was in the paper and stuff. So, you know, but to her defense, she didn't know sport like that. It wasn't until everybody was like, you know how good your son is? She was like, all right, thumbs yeah. up, you know? But those are my favorite memories of football, though. Like before the newspaper and all that. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. It just, but I love football. Like, like really love football. You know? The sport. So, yes. Do you feel like the uh, the actual business of football made you look at it in a different way? It, the business sucks. The NFL is the worst business in all of professional sports. It's like one of the worst businesses in terms of the model, mm. period. Mm. I mean, it's just awful. Yeah. And that was like the, the, the sucky part because you dream about going to the combine. Worst experience ever, right? <laughs> it's the worst experience ever. Okay. And then, like, you know, you dream about just planning the pros but it's a business it's a job that's what it is yeah you know i mean it's a job in college too but you know we can get there later if you want to but yeah um the difference between college and the pros is you, they won't give you a pink slip you know it doesn't matter how bad you play you're still gonna have your scholarship i mean technically even that's annual mm -hmm. you know but it'll just it, it'll completely destroy their ideology of amateurism if they take kids scholarships the way they legally can on an annual basis because scholarships are renewed every year so but they don't do that because, I mean, that's why they're in court right now and they're losing. How much worse would they be losing, the NCAA I'm talking about, if they actually exercise that option? Gotcha. So what they'll do to a kid in college is if they feel like they don't want you anymore, they'll put you in a position to make you want to transfer. Mm. You know what I mean? That's how they get rid of you in college. But in the pros, they just get rid of you. Yeah. You know, like it's just one day you're there and one day you're not. And so that constant stress every single day. And then the environment in there is nothing you do matters. It doesn't matter how good you played one week. Mm -hmm. Soon as you, there's like a 24 hour rule. And even then for yourself, you don't give it to yourself because you're already stressing out about the next week. I got to do this again. Yeah. I got to do this again. You know, and they constantly remind you if you don't do it, do this, you'll be gone. You know, that's why you can see guys that'll like be college legends like Tebow. He didn't play longer than I did. Yeah. Jason White won the Heisman. He couldn't even make a team. Trent Richardson went second overall and he didn't play longer than I did. So it's telling you right there, you know, this is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you know, I was listening to uh, the Mike Tyson podcast, yeah. and the guy he has a um, this co-host on there. I forget his name, but he was a former NFL player as well. And um, another NFL player was on the podcast, so they were kind of talking about football. And he said, you know, people always ask me what the best feeling was. He said the best feeling was right when the game ended because that's the furthest I was away from the next time that I was gonna have to be 
out there again. Yeah, and look, I, I don't want to make people feel like it was just this awful experience. I'm not saying that, <laughs> but what you said is right. It is it is a constant struggle to maintain the organic love for the game and then balance the cutthroat business aspect of it as well, especially yeah. as an African American. Mm -hmm. You know, so, um, you know, it's you love it, but and they tell you, you know, hey, play it like you did when you're a kid. Well, when I was a kid, I didn't have to worry about, <laughs> you know, paying my mortgage and taking care of my kids. Yeah. Like, <laughs> as, I mean, it's it's dumb. It's easy know? to say, yeah, yeah. You know, and so <laughs> you know, and I understand how how casual fans can look at contract disputes and you know think players are selfish. I don't, I don't, I don't blame them. How could they know something that they don't know? Yeah, you know. So, um, but it, it's a constant struggle, and the key is is balance. But because I love football so much, it it was difficult for me at first because I just like watching it. I just like being around it. Mm -hmm. So I could be at the facility from seven to six and then come home and still want to watch ESPN. Mm. Well, after like my fourth year, I had to cut that out because I, I found I was having trouble disconnecting. If I had a bad game, I would carry it with me. Mm. You know, so my highs were too high and my lows were too low. And it was actually my oldest son who snapped me out of it because he and I have a lot in common. You know, he's he's a chip off the old block for sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he, he don't care if we won or lost. He just wants to hang out with his dad after practice or after the game, and I and I got tired of bringing that home. Yeah, you know, I got tired of Brit, so I just was like, you know what? It just I snapped out of it one day, and I was like, look, if I could look at the film and know I didn't, I I graded out at ninety or higher, whatever. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, I'm seeing a lot of parallels in the things that you're saying when your uh, your your focus is passion, and then you you take this passion and you build on top of it, and you get to like the main stage and then you're like ah this kind of isn't like how i thought it was gonna be as <laughs> same thing man like i said we've been doing you know car had this business for the last 10 years and when i go to all these events and go to these car shows and things like that it's more stress you know i got to get up early got to go there set up i can't go watch racing or go network with people or anything like that because i have an obligation right. to be here but then the people who don't see that part, they say, man, you're lucky. You get to do this and you get to do that. I say, bro, you're lucky. You get to <laughs> chill with your friends in the garage and don't got to worry about shit. I know, right? And I've never tailgated before, so I feel you. <laughs> I like hate it. Everybody's like, man, we used to do this before the games. I'm like, I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> bro, you get to the point where you're like, damn, you're having more fun than I have. <laughs> man, you know how long it took me to be able to go to a football game, man. My best friend VJ, we went to see the Niners when they upset the Saints in the quarterfinals years ago. Uh-huh. And it was so weird being in the stands. Really? Like, you know, I'm I'm like, it just was uncomfortable. I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. You know, and my whole life, I, you know, I'm I'm the one coming out of the tunnel, you know. So um and at that time I was still playing and it still was weird. Yeah. Being in the stands. But I mean, it was great. I'm not, I'm not like knocking it. I don't want anybody who aspires to be a professional athlete to be like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm, I'm just. It's like you mentioned to earlier. You just have to have a b balance, and it's, and it's difficult to maintain equilibrium the higher you go. Yeah. is what I'm saying. Because if your coach's job is on the line, he's not going to be so understanding. And that's the best way I can put it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, he. If you don't play well, he's going to have to explain to his wife you know, why they got to move and his kid, why he can't get the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip for mm. Christmas. Like, you know, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's not trying to do that, you know? So, uh, you know, if you just go in with the right mindset, 
then you can, you know, do what Chris Carter said at the Rookie Symposium. He's like, you know, when you're done, you want to leave with the two M's. You want to leave with as many of the two M's as possible, money and memories. And so if you can just focus on that and, you know, then I think you'll be able to get out and, and, and you know, not have for lack of a better way of describing it, PTSD. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. I feel you on that, man. And I feel like these are kind of the conversations that nobody really has, but they, they are very important to people who, you know, if they want to dedicate their entire life to this, I, I feel that it's fair that they need to know everything. Because like you said, once you get there and you go, you, you get on the team and you're ready to go and you get to the locker room, you're like, whoa, this isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. It's a lot. It's a lot more work. But yeah, you're right, man. It's balance. And it's not only in your passions. It's like everything in your life. You need, you need to find balance for it to, for, to keep sanity. Yeah, for sure. And that's one of the things I wish I had. My uncle Musa was really the one who helped me explore the parts of myself that I neglected from dedicating my life to, to, to football. Mm hmm. Um, so it, it, it helped ease the process of, of getting out of sport. Um, for me, it wasn't so much, um, not playing football because I had proved to myself everything I wanted to prove to myself athletically. It was more having to, uh, re not redefine myself, but rediscover those parts of myself again mm -hmm. that I, that, that basically I atrophied over the years. And so, um, you know, just being into, um, you know, my history and my culture and, and that's, I, I indirectly didn't realize that I was studying science and physics. And so once I recognized it after a decade, it just, you know, I, I've, I don't even own any football books. It's all quantum physics, astro. Oh my God. <laughs> that's all it is. I could do that all day, literally. So how did you realize that you had a passion for that? Well, because basically uh, ancient Egyptian texts is about alchemy. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, if you look at the, the rudimentary definition of, of alchemy, it's, it's taking a base, you know, metal and, and then, you know, transmutating it into its highest form, like a piece of coal going to a diamond, right? But... You know, the truest form of alchemy that's in those texts and on those walls is alchemy of the mind. And we know this, you know, because they'll talk to you now about the quantum field and all of this stuff that's been around for thousands of years. Um, and, and basically what that is, is that, you know, your mind has the ability to literally upgrade or downgrade your genetic expression. We're, we're all too familiar with how you downgrade your genetic expression. It's called stress. Everybody knows that when you're under stress, you know, you, you can you can literally make yourself sick. Well, what causes stress? Negative thoughts. Well, negative thoughts, negative emotions, negative feelings, negative actions. Mm -hmm. your, your equilibrium is off. That's what disease is. This ease. You're knocked out of balance, right? And your body mm -hmm. can't maintain being knocked out of balance, being knocked out of homeostasis for elongated periods of time. So point is, we know what it means for you to downregulate your gene. Well, if you can downregulate your genetic expression, then you can, can't you do the other part? Yeah. Can't you change your cellular information to help you, to serve you. So, you know, so I'm more interested in that way is being able to program my subconscious so that my perception is something that I have more control over. I know? like that. I like where this is going, bro. You gotta tell me more <laughs> about that. So 
When, uh, what are some of the things that you have found that help you um, uplift yourself? Well, we all do it, believe it or not. We just don't recognize that's what we're doing. You know, something, it's just easy as just having positive thoughts, mm -hmm. you know, but it's hard to have positive thoughts if, if you're putting in neg negative things around you in other areas, depending on what music you listen to, what food you eat, what people you're around. You know, all of those things are either sapping energy or giving you some. Mm -hmm. It's not, you're not staying the same, right? You get better, you get worse. Well, that's basically a, a deeper definition of it. So I think the more you recognize what serves you and what doesn't, well, then it's your job to take control of it. Yeah. You know, so we all, we all are, are doing it. You know, um, I could tell you right now to remember something that was great. Like you asked me about, uh, my boy Camilo from back in the day. Well, yeah. immediately I'm, I'm thinking of happy times. So if I have happy thoughts, happy feelings, uh -huh. you know, I'm, I'm happy. So it's, it's uplifting myself. I'm uplifting myself. You know, I'm feeling better just off of those thoughts. So, you know, I think, um, we all do it. We just need to take more control over it and, <laughs> And, and really kind of pay attention to the things that we have made normal because there's certain things that we've made normal that we just don't look at anymore and they're just, they're killing us. Yeah. So what were some of the first things that you started to change in your life and then you noticed a, a positive uh, reaction to it? Um, well, first I did it to be a better football player. That's okay. the funny thing. You know, like I was like, okay, how do I, how do I get, my confidence back where it was, you know, because, and that's the thing about athletics and life in general, you know, it's, it's, you go up, you go down, but again, you don't want to be too high or too low mm -hmm. because, you know, polarity, that's just what it is. You know, if it swings in one direction, it's coming right back in the other direction. So you kind of want to stay in the middle. Yeah. They know? say you're never as good as people tell you and you're never as bad Exa as they tell you. Exactly. Right. So you kind of want to stay right there. Um, but uh, so for me, it was kind of, Figuring out a way through like meditation mm. and study. Uh, I read a lot of books by Miyamoto Musashi. He's like the most famous samurai in Japanese history, right? Um, so I was reading, I first started off reading some of those books about just kind of quieting the mind, basically. Yeah. And so um, I was playing better, but it stopped right there, you know, because I was, I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I wasn't doing it to be a better person. I was doing it to be a better football player and that, that has a ceiling. Mm -hmm. So once I, I recognized that and I began to study uh, my own history and my own culture for myself, that's when I felt better about myself. Yeah. I had felt like I had more control about my over myself. And so by default, I had more control over my emotions and my mind and my confidence when I played football. Dude, I, uh, I definitely feel you on that. A few years back, I want to say maybe three years back, I read a book uh, by uh, Russell Simmons. It's uh, Success Through Stillness, if I'm not mistaken. It's a book about meditation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it's just something that I really want to implement in my life, but I just haven't given it as much priority as I need to. But every time that I feel like I'm stressed out or, you know, I, I even back then when I read the book in the morning, I would do it 20 minutes, meditate, and then 20 minutes at night. And it's just like, it's so weird that the, the weight that gets lifted off of you. Because if you were just to tell somebody, yo, just just sit down there, don't move, and you know, just breathe, and don't focus, <laughs> okay. And yeah. the, but it, it doesn't make sense. But yeah. after you do it, then you're like, wow, I feel a lot different, and I didn't even do anything. And then it was uh, probably about the same time that you know I was going through a, a lot of stuff uh, 
personal wise i think it was probably the same that you're kind of saying you know you 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 get the status you get everything that you want and you realize yo i i kind of feel like there's still something missing and then i started instead of looking out like yo it's your fault it's your fault you're you're the reason why i'm feeling like this i looked within i said yo this isn't doing any good for my life like i could the situation is what it is if i'm gonna look at it positive or negative that's just the way that that's the energy that i'm giving to it so i've tried my hardest to stay as positive as as possible but i still feel like sometimes it's a task do you feel yourself like like it's um it's natural or you do you still have to actually do it look at the positive of certain things think of the positive memories instead of like a a negative one well it I won't say that it, I mean, it's it's always work, quote unquote, right? Um, but because I enjoy doing it, mm-hmm. I don't really look at it like that. Um, if anything, it's turned into that kind of obsession that football was where if, if I just continue to do this, like I could do it all day and never turn my TV on. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I don't even watch TV till the end of the night when my littlest son goes to bed. So I could literally do this between listening to lectures in the car, reading books, and I'll do it all day. So sometimes I have to stop myself. So my point of saying that is just, it's just become me. Got you. It's like, you know, everything is hard at first. You know, if you just go to the gym and you start doing workouts you never did, your body's going to be sore because it's not used to it. But if you keep at it, then your body gets used to it and then it just becomes a part of your, part of your routine. So um, I have my response to adversity. I definitely train myself to look at the positive. Absolutely. You know, I've trained myself to not be the victim. And it, and it doesn't mean that you're never going to have negative thoughts. But yeah. what happens is they don't linger. Yeah. You know, you notice it. I recognize it. That's a negative thought. You know, it's like turning a page in a book. But if you stay on that one page for hours and hours, see, this is what people don't understand about an idea. An idea is not negative or positive. Right. It's like a seed. An idea has a picture. Right. So a picture that picture on the wall will mean something different than it does to you, Yeah. right? So a seed is just a seed. The biggest tree in the world started off as a seed and it had, but it had all the potential to be something. A seed doesn't grow unless it gets what? Water and sunshine, Mm -hmm. right? The combination of both allows the idea that is embedded in the seed to grow until it fully materializes into a tree. Well, it's the same thing in your mind with ideas. You're gonna get negative, you're gonna get ideas that come through your head, but based off of your previous conditioning experiences depends on the level of emotion and imagination that you feed the idea. So what you have to learn to do is things that are negative don't attach so much emotion to it, regardless of your previous experiences with it. Don't attach so much emotion and imagination to it because then that negative idea grows and it becomes real. You make it real Mm -hmm. in your mind. So, you know, what I've learned to do is to stop feeding negative experiences with that and feed the positive ones. And so the positive ones grow. Mm. You know, it's like cancer. Cancer is the overgrowth of cells, right? Well, if you want an overgrowth of ideas, you want them to be negative or positive. So yeah. feed the positive ones, and then your actions and reactions will follow that. How do you feel about accountability? That's ever, it's like you said, you where'd you go when you were stressed out? You looked within, right? So I think that's the major issue with people. Is no matter what, no matter what problem we have, we're always looking outside of ourselves for the answer. That doesn't mean I can't call you to vent. 
That doesn't mean I can't call you for advice. Yeah. That's not what that means. You know, ultimately what it means is, is if I'm mentoring you, I'm not giving you anything. As a matter of fact, even doctors, when they save your life, they're not giving you anything. When you go in there with a chronic illness, they're not anything that a doctor gives you medicine-wise or, 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 or whatever is, is designed to get your body to do something that it's supposed to have already done on its own, right? So it's not that you can't get help, but a real teacher, a real master, whatever you want to call it, someone who's genuinely interested in helping you is trying to get you to cultivate the master that is in you. Mm. You see what I'm saying? If mm -hmm. I'm the master, if you remain a follower your whole life, I'm not the master. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm teaching you to pull out the master within yourself. At some point, you shouldn't need me anymore. Yeah. Right. But if I'm keeping you dependent, then what's the point of anything that we're doing? Yeah. Right. It's the, it's it's the it's it's the master within you, the God that's in you that is meant to be cultivated. And yeah. and even and regardless of how high you get, you'll still go through things. You still may even. Um, you know, need to talk to people every now and again. But again, it's like I said before, it just won't be so strenuous. You won't spend nearly the amount of time that you used to until the until you are able to recognize certain things immediately. And then you just go within and you eradicate them immediately. Yeah. You know, so depend on you. Damn, I love it, man. We already got so deep. <laughs> I love it, bro. This is, this is the stuff that I like to talk about, you know, um, because this... The, this way of thinking has really benefited me from the way that I used to handle things in the past. And it was just, I don't know what it was that, that triggered me to, to switch my way of thinking about things, but I, I think I put a lot of power in what I can give back to the world and the energy that I give back to the world, you know, as, as even to the fact of, you know, going to Starbucks or something, you know, um, the person who's taking your order and the person who's making the drink and that gives it to you, that's like an actual person. And that person is there working a job that you probably wouldn't want to work. I wouldn't want to work it, right. you know, and they probably had to be there super early in the morning. And if you can give them a, a, a little pick me up or just have them feel a little better about their day like should definitely be something that you would want to do and i i say that to say this is that i i've i didn't focus on that stuff before i really didn't worry about how i communicated with people not because in a bad way or anything but oh well i don't know i'm not even talking to that person but it doesn't have to be that so i've kind of switched it around where if there's somebody that I don't need to interact with, I'll still interact with them just because it's another human. It's another person. It's somebody else that's going through these life experiences that I am. Maybe not the same type of experiences or the same way, but they're still feeling happy, sad. They still got bills to worry about. It's it's relative. You know, their their situation to them is relative. And I think it was kind of the the started to look at it in a more compassionate way that kind of changed my idea about you know how much power we really do have as as human beings yo what's up guys i hope you're enjoying this new episode of downtime with downstar we are glad to be back and uh we are glad to have hill to auto as a sponsor again big shout out to you marcus an important part in buying honda parts online is making sure that you can trust the company that you're dealing with 
to get you the parts reliably. You spend a lot of money and you spend a lot of time researching your build. The last thing that you wanna do is send cash to a website where you may never see the parts again and worse yet, never see your money. Basically, you don't wanna get jacked. If you don't wanna get jacked, make sure you check out Hilltoe because Hilltoe has an 18 year track record and history. And that comes with part of the deal. Marcus knows everybody in the community and uh, he is the man. Hilltoe brings you deep industry connections, professional part recommendations, alternative ideas when your parts aren't available and they'll even contact you when something looks out of the ordinary before it ships. Hilto's unique checkout allows you to select a deadline to receive parts so make sure you get them in time for your project. You can buy parts anywhere online but Hilto knows what truly matters to an enthusiast. Professionalism, swiftness, accuracy, and bitches. Uh, I added that last part but either way Hilto is in your corner. Make sure you guys check them out at HiltoAuto.com or you could call or text them at 949-295-1668 or check them out on Instagram at Hilto Automotive. Guys, if you can, please just shoot them a text right now and say, hey, thank you for continuing to support Downtime with Downstar because without you, this show would go to shit. 949-295-1668. Now back to the show. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, you mentioned compassion. Compassion is it's like the highest vibration. And this is not a theory you know this is a fact you know mm -hmm. your the way your heart palpitates when you're feeling love compassion understanding is completely different than when you're having jealousy anger or resentment and you know so you know it's funny you mentioned that i was you know when i was done playing like i said i had to go through this period of rediscovering certain parts of myself and i would go through mc the mcdonald's because i'm kind of like a coffee fiend mm -hmm. coffee fiend yeah <laughs> hell yeah right so uh, i would go through mcdonald's and man, there would be days I was just feeling it, you know, just feeling bad. And she was always so happy all the time. She was so happy. And this went on for like two years. I would go through that drive through and um, I would get my coffee and she was just cheesing every single time. So, man, so another year passes and I move. And I drive back down. I've done this three times already and I've had like a thousand dollars on me. And I go through the drive-thru because I need her to know exactly what you just said. Hey, listen, I was going through something and you didn't know. But every time I came through the drive-thru, I thought, well, she's working here. And I'm not saying that my job or is any better than hers or I'm any better than Definitely. she is, you know. But she certainly, if she wanted, she could make an excuse, right? And she chose not to. So I thought, well, man, if she's not making excuses, how come, why should I? And mm. I, I wanted so bad to tell her what, what it meant for me, just her being nice coming through the drive-thru. And every time I go by, she's not there. Aww. It's irritating. I'm more mad at myself because I just didn't get her name, you know, and, and but I just figured, oh, she'll be here. Yeah. She'll be here. And I've yet to find her. It's been years. <laughs> it's crazy when you meet people like that, huh? That yeah. They're just so happy and pumped and just out of, for no seemingly reason, yeah. from the outside looking in. And that's the best reason. Yeah. Because that, that means, like you said, for us, we're looking at it and we're going, well, what reason do you have to be happy? You're at McDonald's, right? And and that's a ridiculous way to think for us to think. That yeah. Way, right. But her thing is, is, well, I'm not putting my happiness in a job or a dollar or a car or a house, something that is destined to fail me. Uh, it's within what we just talked about. Yeah. You know, she's like, nah, you know, I'm getting high off my own supply. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not putting, you know, my, you know, the, the most important thing to you, your, your happiness, 
your well-being in the hands of somebody because they refuse to pay me something that the TV and radio told me I should have, you know? So, you know, I learned the more valuable lessons watch just observing her, mm. you know, than, than I did from having three-hour conversations, <laughs> you know? It's like a picture says a thousand words. I yeah. took that idea of her, that vision of her, and fed it in my own subconscious. Because yeah. it really makes you look at things, you know, even if it, it is coming from a bad point. It's like, why is this lady that's working at McDonald's happier than I am? Yeah. You know, what what's her secret? You know, but when you just break it down to to the very foundation of it, it's like, wow, what am what am I looking at that is making me unhappy? And why am I putting so much so much strength in that 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 controls my happiness? You know, I. Mike Tyson is one of the best podcasts that I like to listen sure, to um, sure. just because the, the, his mentality has it's changed immensely. And it, he, he has so much wisdom. You know, and, and he had a little Bootsy on there not long ago. Okay. And that was when Bootsy was talking about uh, Kevin Garnett's son that's transitioning or uh, something. Dwayne, like, yeah, yeah. Dwayne Wade. Yeah. And, and Mike Tyson's just asking him, like, you know, why, why, what does it matter to you? Oh, because it's a kid, or like, but yeah, what what does this have to do with you? It doesn't, it does, you know. And nobody talks to Boosie or somebody like yeah. that, but Mike Tyson can talk to anybody like that. And then he said, like, you don't even control yourself. His son transitioning controls you. Your 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 um your managers they control you. You don't know where your next show is. Yep. You don't know what time you need to be there. You don't know who you need to talk to, who you need to get tickets for. What you don't need to. Now you don't even control your own thoughts. Where that this dude says something and you just pop off going on Twitter and it's just going everywhere viral and you're getting attacked for what? Why did you have to do that? Because you can't even control yourself. And when he told me, or when he said that, I was like, wow, dude, that is so deep because so many times I have reacted to what somebody else has said. And then I look at him like, man, I don't even have control of myself. Yeah. And, and that's, that's based off of your reaction was based off of prior conditioning. It was that it was you living in the past. You already had an experience of dealing with somebody or something in that same way, shape or fashion. And so when that person's energy represented that it took you right back to that point you remembered it you relived it all over again mm -hmm. and you reacted the exact same way yeah you know and so tyson's exactly right you know who's really in control you know um and so it, it's you know it really i i took it super super deep because now i have a two-year-old son so i got a 13 year old son i got a two-year-old son and just my whole method and approach to him it's not completely different but it's different in that i'm recognizing that no matter how you cut it i'm influencing him yeah. i'm programming him mm -hmm. right now obviously i'm trying i'm going to try to program him in a way that is most conducive to him understanding that at some point again like we just talked about you're going to have to take the will and redo certain things that i didn't do so good that serve you mm-hmm you know, regardless of whether you're my son or not, your experiences are not going to be the exact same. Your Definitely. ideas are not going to be the exact same. This is your particular expression of you. You know, I'm just going to do my best to help you, you know, pull the master out. Right. Mm -hmm. So the way I deal with him is just the fundamentals are different. 
I'm way more conscious of that. So my level of, of anger, if he does something, mm-hmm. I have to remember, like you said, okay, wait, I'm supposed to be his father, yeah. right? I'm supposed to be the adult. Okay, so if this two-year-old can just get me so riled up, <laughs> who's really in control here? <laughs> yeah, You know what I mean? It's just... So, um, you know, I've found now over the years that I don't even like getting angry because now I recognize what you just said. And then, too, I'm like, man, that means that I'm using that energy for something other than myself, you know. And I I think that, you know, um, like the business that, you know, now we're we're creating, we're trying to create that environment. You know, I think that everybody should aspire to be their own boss. Now, everybody needs everybody, even even Elon Musk needs people oh yeah he's only the richest man in the world because people buy his stuff so you still need him yeah you still we still need everybody but you know i heard this and i can't remember where i heard it but they said real power is not how much money you have it's 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 not how many women you got it's it's not having even a lovely spouse Mm -hmm. it's the degree of control you have over your own life and so what that means to me is is what is power Am I really thinking the way that I want to think using the energy on the things that I want to use the energy on? Because all of that is me building my dream. Mm-hmm. If you're not, then you're building somebody else's, you know? Yeah. And so it's like you said, we really have to ask ourselves, start to ask ourselves, are our thoughts organic or were they given to us and suggested through a previous conditioning, which is our past. Yeah. We living in the past or, you know, is it, because I'm on Instagram all day watching the news and all they telling me is Corona is going to kill me. So I'm killing myself with thoughts of dying already. Yeah. You know, it's like, where are your thoughts coming from? Where's your motivation coming from? Is it intrinsic or extrinsic? Like we just talked about, are you, are you going within or are you looking without? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's really that simple, but it's that difficult, but it's really just that simple. And we know it's that simple because if something happens to you that is like catastrophic, it changes your thought process immediately, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, immediately it changes it. So we know that it's just as simple as getting your mind right. You know, literally you could wake up one day and be like, I'm not doing this no more and that's that. Now, most times it takes something catastrophic to do that, but it doesn't have to. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to. Yeah, you know, I, I can always relate that to, um, you know, before people have kids, you know, they're just whatever going through their life. I've seen this happen so many times. And then they end up having a kid and boom, they kick it into next gear. They get two jobs. They're working this. They're hustling. They're doing this, doing that. I'm like, yeah, if you didn't have the kid, you could have still been doing those same exact <laughs> things and you could probably get further yeah. a lot quicker. Mm-hmm people just don't realize that they have it built inside of them you know and that's something that i wanted to talk to you as well about um you know both of us being from oxnard Mm -hmm. Uh, i feel like a a lot of my ways that i was thinking about things and the life that i lived and the values that i put in certain certain type of people certain uh, material items was because of where i was from that that was everybody that i associated with i was every way that that everybody that thought the same exact way you know i'm gonna go downtown i'm gonna get some bitches i'm gonna get mm-hmm. fucking new gear i'm gonna get this car i'm gonna get this and that i never got to the point where i was just like why you know like 
I don't I don't even like these people. These people aren't even <laughs> good people. They're shitty people. Like why do I want to even impress these people? So when you decided to make this change, did you notice that people that knew the old you started changing around you? To a certain degree, um I know a lot of people, but a lot of people don't know me. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of people know me. Like, I don't think me walking in here, you you thought, and through no fault of your own, that I was interested in this type of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, I get told that. A friend of mine told me that all the time. She's like, you know, you just, you're nothing like I would expect a professional athlete to be. And I understand because TV doesn't, TV regurgitates the same old bullshit. You know, there's there are guys in the locker room in every sport that are interested in other stuff. Yeah. You know, but that doesn't sell. Right. It could. They just don't want it to. Um, So for me, I've always kept a a tight circle. Mm -hmm. You know, I really haven't added any new people like that. So the people who I've been with have always kind of known that I've been interested in other stuff. And uh, and it's not like I woke up one day and kind of got into it. I just basically developed the ability to articulate it better, I think. is describing it. You know, so it's not. Me thinking the way that I think now is really not crazy to them, you know? So, um, and I think something that serves you, it will serve you in every facet of your life. Like even in football, what we're talking about serves me because now I know, I, I knew that going into a football game, I can't, I stopped being able to listen to music. Like for me, what motivates me most is thinking that you don't think I can do something. Mm. But see, I know that. So I, even though I'm I'm feeding myself this, I'm feeding it because I know what it it inherently does to me. It makes me go, okay, motherfucker, watch. But I'm in control though. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's different than you just walking up on me and going, hey, you ain't shit, you can't do this. And then I'm going, what? So now I'm doing it for you <laughs> yeah. instead of doing it for myself. No, I, I'm playing the game on myself. You know, so I would make shit up. You know, oh, what? You did what? You said what? Mm. I mean, to the degree that I wouldn't break the huddle with my teammates for pregame, nothing. I needed to tell myself that all these people in the stands think I ain't shit, mm. right? So I started mind giving myself a mind job, and uh, you know, and the best I ever did. I was playing for Chicago. I got a little help though, but I made it a bigger deal, and it was on purpose. And uh, it was my son's birthday. I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna score for you today," and he's like, "All right." It was, and so, uh, but they gave the return I was supposed to get which is going to put me on the sidelines and in the open field, that's, that's my shit now. Yeah. You know, you put me in space, I don't care who you are. Gone. Your ankles better be taped up, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So, but they gave it to Eric Weems, who was a Pro Bowl returner, and he picked up like 50. That's a huge return, you mm-hmm. know? So I'm hot. You know, I'm steaming. So I'm waiting on the kickoff to start the second half, and, you know, I'm just boiling inside. And the ball went up, and I blacked out. The last thing I remember, I was at the 50 and I heard everybody, you know, and I just remember going, okay, I got to go back into this zone that you're talking about. So I blacked out again and then I didn't wake back up till I was high stepping at like the 15 or the 10, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, that was kind of, uh, it was kind of trippy because I knew then, all right, I'm on to something. Like I can actually manipulate myself for the good, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So I do it all the time, no matter what I'm doing. You know, I'll just tweak something up. You know, it's like the Matrix when Neo was laying on his back 
and they kept plugging in these different programs, you know? And so no matter what situation I'm in, I'm like, all right, you know, I'll just do this. So I'll feed certain things to my hard drive. Mm -hmm. My subconscious is what I'm referring to as my hard drive. And I'll upload it in there with certain ideas and then I'll feed them with the, with the vision of me actually doing it and what it's going to look like, what it's going to smell like. And then it happens. And then you do karate. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Right. Are you a very visual person? Absolutely. My imagination is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like it's crazy. That's important though. Like, yeah. Whenever I'm talking to people, if I feel like they're struggling, I'll ask them, Hey, you know, where, so where are you going to be in three, three to five or, and I'm always interested to see how detailed they can be. Yeah. Because if you lack the ability to describe to me where you're going to be in detail, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Because if you can't see it, like we just talked about, well, then that means you're, the seed, that idea is lacking information. It's not getting sufficient water. It's not getting sufficient sunlight in the form of imagination. Yeah. Because if you lack imagination, then you can't put the proper emotion that goes with it. So you're not going to be able to convince your body on a cellular level that it's real. Your mind doesn't know the difference between a thought that you're thinking and you actually doing it. It doesn't know. Yeah. On a cellular level, it legitimately <laughs> doesn't yeah. know the difference. That's why I'm saying it's so important for you to have a good imagination. You yeah. Know? So, you know, for everybody out there, you're thinking about doing something. If you can't, you know, from for let's we'll just stick from an athlete standpoint. If you can't smell the grass. If you can't see yourself making the play and see the defender's face after you do whatever it is you're going to do and then all the people standing up cheering and then what are your coaches saying? What did your family say after you made the play? If you can't see it in that kind of detail, then you're you're you know, you're 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 hurting yourself. Yeah. That's crazy that you say that, man. Um I was just talking to one of my buddies and uh he's talking about things that he wants to do to his car or what have you and um yeah, maybe one day or this and that. I'm like, but I don't know. This car is a piece of shit. I'm like, yo, bro, the universe, they can't decipher what you really want. <laughs> if you keep talking about negative, oh, this is, I don't know, maybe one, it's not going to happen, dude. You need to switch the way that you're talking about it. Yeah, it's going to come. It's coming one day. I'm working towards it. Then you have a then you have a path that you're building and a goal. But you know, I have this conversation with my dad all the time. Like, Dad, you're asking for the wrong things. <laughs> yeah. You think that the universe is able to decipher it and get your uh, the the way that you're saying it and your sarcasm and like, oh, I know what he means. No, dude, you're fa you're focusing on negative. The universe is be like, oh, this dude likes negative. Let's give him some negative. You're exactly right. You know, and that's the funny thing people don't get is it always says yeah. You think you ain't shit, the universe, go, the universe goes, yeah, you ain't shit, you're right. <laughs> Matter of fact, you know you ain't shit and then it's gonna start reminding you of things that made you feel like you wasn't shit, remember? Told you you wasn't shit, <laughs> you know? So for me, that's why we talked about before, man. It's like, you gotta make sure, you know, we everybody thinks that, um, you know, it's like, let you hear that statement, let thy food be thy medicine. Mm -hmm. You know, food is not just what you put in your mouth. It's what you put in your ears. It's what you choose to look at. It's all of that. People you're around, because you're ingesting it. You're getting, you're doing, you're getting the same thing from all those other things that you get from food, which yeah. is energy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No. Definitely. <laughs> but is it? What's the frequency of the energy? Is what we need to be concerned about. Yeah. You get real good, and you could transmutate that low shit into high shit. But we don't got to go there either. Yeah. <laughs> 
And if you guys need to eat clean, make sure you hit up Star's Power Plates. Uh, he'll get you guys taken care of with your uh, healthy eating, man. That's one thing that, that I figured that I needed to do is start eating healthier. I cut out a lot of you know fast food and junk food and things like that, just being more conscious of it. Um, one thing that's been really hard for me to cut out, and I don't know if I can, I want to get your opinion on this, is uh, the music. So how are you able to, I'm not sure what kind of music you listen to, but popular music now, hip hop, uh, hip hop music, it's very negative. And a lot of things that they talk about are not positive. And it, I've been thinking about the music that I listen to. I, I don't know if that's having a certain effect on me as well. It depends on the type of thoughts that you cultivate while you're listening. So if I'm like, hell yeah, I want bitches, I want to kill somebody. Or if I'm just like, oh, I like this beat. Well, the problem wasn't that you want bitches. <laughs> the problem No was, more, babe, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Hypothetically Hypothetic speaking, bitches. Right? <laughs> so that's not the issue. The issue is, is when you said I want to kill somebody. Because wanting bitches is not necessarily a negative thing if yeah. you're single, right? <laughs> or you got some kind of agreement with your woman, you yeah. know? So, um, but it's it's more so like, you know, there's depending on how I'm feeling, then I'll listen to certain types of music. You know, I'll still listen to rap, mm -hmm. but even if I'm listening to rap, I'm not thinking of this version of myself, mm -hmm. whether ego driven or not. But it's not at the expense of someone else. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I guess the best way to describe it is imagine you're looking at the TV and, you know, we've seen certain movies where and this is where the directors come in. When they want you to really focus on something, they'll change the color or they'll focus in on this and blur out everything else in the background. So it's it's similar to that. If I'm listening to a music, if I just want to see myself walking in the club looking smooth, smelling good, everybody on me. This is just me saying I think highly of myself. Because mm -hmm. I'll do this, I'll listen to certain musics and I see myself in a certain fit, dressed in a certain way, you know, the broads is on me, they looking at me a certain way. But that's still not at the expense of anybody else. Mm. That's just me, you know, promoting confidence. Mm. That's all I'm doing is promoting confidence, you know, so I'm just, I'm using my imagination. Again, I'm feeling that idea, but it's not at the expense of anybody else. So. You know, I think it's really more the thoughts that spawn based off of the music you're listening Got to, you. you know? Yeah. I think that was probably a lot more influential when I was younger, you know? For sure. Um, when you hear a certain brand or something in a song, you're like, oh, well, that brand must be cool. Let mm -hmm. me rock that brand. For sure. And, but, I, and I love, there's nothing wrong with that either. You know, it's like, I love Louis Vuitton, right? And I love Jordans and all that type of stuff. But if I woke up and someone stole all my Louis... I'm going to be mad for a couple of days. But after that, I'm going to just buy some more. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's not going to stress me out, dude. You know, like, nothing is that serious. And and that is really, it's funny. Me and my cousin Ronnie was talking about this the other day in terms of what the definition of, of materialism is. And really, the real definition of it is, again, what, how much, how much value are you putting on that thing? Mm. Right? So, just like I just, my point is, is, just like I see myself wearing Louis and doing this and walking into a spot and having people look at me a certain way, I'll walk in there with a Rocky One sweatsuit and do the same thing. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not going to, you know, I, I, that's how I feel. So, you know, my worth is not in what I'm wearing. Mm. You know, my worth is not in the car that I drive because I didn't grow up with none of that shit anyway. 
you know, I didn't grow up with Louis. I didn't grow up with none of that. Yeah. So, you know, and those are the funnest times of my life. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't, you can still enjoy things, but you just can't put your identity in them. You I know? feel you on that. So let's take it back a little bit. Um, how was your uh, childhood and upbringing? How, how were you raised? Euphoric. And I mean that literally. Like I, I, I went to a place to get a brain map when I was done. I wasn't having any issues or anything. I just... I just wanted to know, I mean, you know, running into grown men for years and years can't be the healthiest thing. So I just wanted to know how, I mean, you know, I'm all into my health too. So I just wanted to know, you know, what my brain looked like. So part of that whole deal was um, meditation. But mm -hmm. while I was meditating, they measure your alpha, your theta, and your gamma brain waves, right? So they literally know when you're hitting the zone, right? That, 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 that midpoint. And there are two things that always put me in the zone. My kids, obviously, and uh, my childhood. I mean, to the degree that I, I had to sit my mom down and go, yo, I know it wasn't easy because I didn't grow up poor. Of course not. I didn't grow rich either, you know, but I was fine. I always had what I needed is my point. So I asked her, I'm like, man, look, I mean, my childhood was so amazing despite all the success that I've had. And, and I'm thankful that I really haven't ever dealt with anything devastating ever, you know, uh, my dad died recently, but even that I can't say was devastating because I just don't have any regrets. Like, yeah. you know, like he just, he was awesome and we had a good time. He didn't know, he he knew that I loved him. There was nothing that I felt like I didn't tell him and yeah. that he didn't know. So even though I'm, I was sad and I still get sad sometimes, it's still not like, um, it's not devastating because it just, I feel like I was able to take advantage to the best of my ability and his, his time. Yeah. So, but I had to ask her and she was like, I mean, you know, there's hard points. And, uh, and she was like, but you know, I just did what I had to do, you know? And I had to ask her just cause I mean, it, it, for years I even asked myself, why was I so lucky? Why was I so lucky? You know, like my brother and my sister never, uh, had jealousy considering all the notoriety I got athletically. Mm. I mean, you know, and, and there was a period cause my mom was a hospice nurse for a long time. And so there were a lot of times where she was gone at night. You know, if my brother was a piece of shit or my sister was a piece of shit, that, that, that would have affected me, yeah. you know? And so it wasn't until I got older that I realized, man, you know, they were pretty mature, you know, they were pretty grown to be able to look after me and make sure that I didn't get in anything crazy, you know, but it was, my childhood was perfect. There's not a single thing I would I would change. Nothing. Did you ever ask your parents what what prepared them to give you guys such a you know a good life? I mean, like I said, I asked her if it was you know there had to have been times I'm like you know where it was really difficult, and uh, you know, but she just was like you know you just do what you got to do. Mm. You know, I mean, it was. <laughs> She's basically like, I'm just doing, I'm just doing my job. You know, I'm glad you had a great time. <laughs> but, um, you know, if and you, you know, cause you have a kid, but if you don't have a kid, there's nothing you could tell someone who doesn't have one in terms of what to expect. We can give them like the basics, you know, like, but this is a different kid. So the experience, this kid is, there's, is, there's not going to be any kid just like him yeah. on the planet ever. Right. So just off of that, there's like, there's really no handbook. Nobody, you know, there's basic stuff, teach them discipline, but how you teach them discipline 
See what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, well, you got to make sure that, you know, you teach them self-accountability. But how you teach them self-accountability, it's the how that there's no, there is no definition for it. You have to be like Floyd Mayweather because you got to just adjust. Because especially, you know, your kid's different than is it because you have a 13-year-old son. Yeah. So he was different at three. Then he was different at eight. Then he's different at 13, right? So then you kind of have to change the way you deal with him based off of where you see his personality going, yeah, right? Yeah, to yeah. a certain degree. And so that's kind of, um, you know, I think, um, you know, really kind of the most important thing when it comes to that is being able to adjust and kind of still maintain that stuff. But then at the same time, you know, being being malleable enough to where, you know, you can still provide the foundation for, you know, organic expression. Yo, we are back for another break. Next sponsor, Action Clutch. Action Clutch, thank you so much for coming back to sponsor the show, man. We are so excited to keep working with you through 2021 and beyond. Dude, Action Clutch has been focusing a lot on content lately. If you guys haven't checked them out, make sure you check them out at Action Clutch on Instagram. They're cooking, man. Shout out to Eric and the boys. But one of the most critical parts to any build is the clutch. Without a proper clutch, you won't be able to get that power to the wheels. No one wants to spend hundreds of dollars on a clutch that won't hold their power for more than a few races or spirited drives. That's why it's important to go with a kit that you know that you can count on and that's why many people choose Action Clutch over the competition. Action Clutch makes all their kits here in the USA with materials sourced locally in Los Angeles. Action Clutch has kits from OEM replacements all the way to 1200 horsepower and can be found everywhere from street vehicles, drag cars, downstar builds, and even formula drift vehicles. Not only are they made in the USA, but they've also made a strong focus to give back a percentage of sales to the community this year during these hard times, providing impacted families with groceries and other necessities. That's a dope one, man. Big shout out to you guys for doing that. Guys listening, it always feels good to give back. So if you can, just give back, pay it forward, pay for the car behind you, and keep on keeping on and live that life, man. You got to put that good karma in the good karma drawer because uh, I know we all got a lot of bad karma out there and we're just waiting for it to come right around the corner. But if you get a uh, action clutch you don't have to worry about that bad karma of a bad clutch going out when you're having a spirited drive but make sure you guys contact them with whatever you need check them out at actionclutch.com and if you don't see what you need you can give them a call at 323-269-6051 but probably most of you guys are going to check them out on instagram since that's the wave that we go through now just hit them up at action clutch and you can shoot them a dm or you can email them at actionclutch.com and if you need help choosing a kit they're always there to help you out and I'm here to help you out too. So when you go to actionclutch.com, make sure you use checkout code DTWD for 15% off and get lit. Back to the show. You know? Yeah. I think uh, a lot of people with children, you know, especially from around here, that they don't really have the, the I don't want to say the luxury, but I don't know what it is. It, it, it seems like people have a, a, a a different mentality from growing up over here and um it's, it's a lot of the mentalities are very similar you know i don't know if it's the parents are are busy or you know they're they're telling the kids don't do this don't do that but not really showing them why to do it like this why not to do it like that and that was kind of one of the ways uh one of the ways that 
I was raised was you don't do that because I told you not to do that. You know, and I always knew that that kind of just didn't click with me when I was younger. <laughs> I'm like, well, why are you being a dick? Yeah. You know, let me fucking do this. Why yeah. are you being a dick? Yeah. So now with my son, I, I try to talk to him in that way. Like, don't do this because this, 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 and this. Mm. And then it kind of gets the wheels rolling and it helps him understand a little more instead of me just being like like a dictator, yeah. you know? And I guess that's what I was getting. A lot, uh, a lot of the experiences I've had, not really with my family, but just when I was growing up and just seeing friends and family and cousins and things like that, it, it was, the kids were always just dictated to and that's it. And nobody really spent the time to, to tell them why not to do it like that, why to do it like this. But even in my, my age as an adult, like you have to tell me why I'm doing these certain things for it to make sense. And it really helps with uh, with the growth at such a young age. Because my son, he's 13, but he he's very mature in certain situations compared to kids that are like that are his age. Yeah. Just the way that he handles situations, because like it's not a not a dictator. I'm telling him why this and why that, and hopefully it makes sense in his head. But you're right, man. You just you got to do the best that you can. And there's there's no playbook for it sure ain't. and you know it and like you said man there's you're you're one in whatever eight billion mm -hmm. on this earth and that's one thing that i've always looked towards as well is that people they want to be something else i want to be like this person i want to be like that i want to be different i want to be this or whatever I'm like Girl, you don't understand that you're the only one of you yeah. out of everybody <laughs> like bet on you yeah don't bet on anything else for sure and that's it's, that's that's the issue it doesn't like we said look we can have people we look up to but again ultimately you're only supposed to be looking at them because you're trying to cultivate that version within yourself you know that's literally what the word hero is for you know what I mean? It's a derivative of something else, but that'll take us somewhere else. But mm -hmm. the point is, is just that the hero inspires you because the hero what? The hero doesn't start off the hero. The hero starts off somewhere, goes through a bunch of shit, but finds the, you know, the wherewithal to drag him or herself out of it into becoming. Yeah. You know, they get through the shit, they learn the lesson, they apply it, the hero. You know, so it's like, yeah, look at that person, but look at the whole thing. You know, like I t I've been telling my son this for years, like, yeah. You know, it's great to see LeBron with the MVP, but you didn't see LeBron in the gym when he was eight. Mm. You didn't see LeBron, you know, when he was 12. You know, you didn't see LeBron Monday through Friday for however long. People right now don't see LeBron. LeBron spends a million dollars a year just on prepping his body. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's easy to look at somebody, you know, when they're standing on the podium. You know, me, I'm interested in how he got there in the first place. Yeah. That's where I'm getting my motivation from. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. So... You know, because that's ultimately going to determine whether your ass gets there or not. That's the problem with these kids. To, to go back to what you said is, I do believe kids these days are soft. But that's because parents call them too, call them too much. Mm -hmm. You know, we blow smoke up their ass and thinking they're going to wake up one day and be great. No, you're not. You know what I mean? You're going to go through shit. Yeah. And that's just what it is. Like, I, I, what I preach to my son and, and any other kid is, is, look, man, I don't want to hear how confident you are and what you're going to do when shit is good. You know, where, how are you going to act when shit ain't going your way? You still going to be that guy? You still going to be cocky when shit ain't going your way? Mm. You going to get yourself out of it or you going to make an excuse? Because, you know, I tell my son all the time, look, 
Losers make excuses. You know, it's it's if you if you and my point is, look, you get an A on this test, regardless of how much I help you. I didn't get the A. You got the A. But if you get an F, your ass got the F, too. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be, okay, you scored 20 points and look at me. And then you don't do shit and go, oh, well, the coach did. Nah, uh -uh." Mm uh-uh. You see what I'm saying? There's no growth there. You know? So, and that's what people don't understand is what what spawns growth is pressure. You don't grow without it. If if you're comfortable, you're stagnant. Yeah. You know, there's, 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 there's nobody that comes from, and that's my point of LeBron. LeBron grew up a certain type of way. There's pressure growing up like that. Yeah. I don't mean pressure to be great. I mean pressure to survive. Pressure to make other choices. Pressure to not work out. Pressure to not work on your jump shot. Pressure to do shit to put food on your table. That's that's more immediate. Yeah. You know, that but at the same time, the you know, the repercussions of that last a lifetime. So that's what I mean by pressure. Cuz when we go through shit is when we feel the pressure. It's when we feel weak. And it's easier to make bad decisions. Yeah. It's harder to keep believing in yourself. You know, so that needs people need to spend more time preparing their kids on how to deal with that. You know. But, you know, now you as soon as you tell little Johnny he's stupid and people go, Oh, he's about to jump off a bridge. Well, well dang. Yeah. You know, like, come on, man. It's like I, you know, I'm just saying that, you know, we need to toughen our kids up in a way that teaches them to stop putting their identity in things like we talked about before um, that don't serve them outside of themselves. You know, we you have to know what your kid is looking at, know what he's reading, what are his friends doing, what kind of video games are he pl- is he playing? You know what I mean? Like, all of that stuff matters. Yeah. You know, so, because it's all influencing them. It's all programming them. So, you know, and then you send your kid to school and then you blank banging on the teacher because the kid ain't acting right. Well, he's just doing what he could do at home. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I know plenty of friends that are, that are teachers and it's just, and I know plenty of <laughs> friends who are police officers and they're like, dude, if you're calling me over here for your kid, you think that's going to do something? <laughs> yeah. This is well, far too late by the time I got to come over here. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, you know, there's nothing you could tell my son to break him. There's no coach that's breaking my son because there's no way you or anybody else is going to be harder on my son than me. Yeah. You know, I'm teaching my son how to expect things from himself. When I say harder, it's not like I'm like you said, dictatorship. I'm I'm just saying you should expect to be great at anything you do. Period. Yeah. You know, like your bar might be a C, but that's fine. Well, then max out at a C. Everybody's bar is not the same. Yeah. You know, even when he gets A's, you know, I'm like, it's what is it's not the A. The A don't mean shit. The A ain't getting you a job. The A ain't getting you the girl. It's what the A represents. It's the same thing my championship ring represents or my NFL jerseys represent. They represent a journey and all the shit I had to go through and overcome to become what was in that jersey. Yeah. That's why it's important. If I gave you my jersey, it wouldn't mean what it means to me because you didn't do shit to get it. Yeah. You know, so. You know, I've coached kids. This was my last year because that group was six years old. Now they're going into high school. But I tell parents all the time, like, look, I'm going to talk to your kid and coach him in a way that is going to prepare him for the next level. That means I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. So if you're coddling Jimmy, you, I'm not the guy because mm. I'm not going to do that. I wasn't raised like that yeah. at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... Did you have issues with parents uh, with the way that you coached? Nah, uh because I already knew them. Got you. You know what I mean? So they already knew how I was. 
you know, so, um, you know, I'll do anything for your kid, but I'm not going to lie to your kid either because I'm preparing your kid, Mm -hmm. you know, and my thing is always I'm preparing you to go up against me and you're not breaking me. You're not going to break me, you know, so (laughs) I need you to understand that, you know, if I'm preparing you to go up against me, then you'll be able to go wherever you want and play. Yeah. You know, so um, and that's just what it is. It's, It's your mind. You know, there's so many guys that are talented, but they don't got the mind, so they don't make it. So what do you feel that it is about this generation of parents that choose to uh, raise their kids in such a soft way? I don't think it's because they, you know, they're. I think they think they're doing their best. But, you know, it's like, look, I don't like punishing my kid. I don't like to take stuff from him because he's sad. Yeah. I don't want my kid to be sad. I mean, it hurts, yeah. you know, but would I rather take his video games for a month or would I rather him keep, you know, developing negative habits and keep doing the same thing over and over again and then him learn so far down the road when he misses out on a chance mm. to do something far more important, you know? So I think, you know, we're just, we're too afraid to, quote, hurt our kids' feelings. Like, they're a kid. There's some stuff your kid just won't understand because they lack the experience. How can my son truly understand what it's like to, have to discipline yourself because there's going to become there's going to be a job that you want and then you're going to have kids and then how could he understand that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so I have to I have to give it to him in a way that his 13 year old brain can understand yeah, now yeah, yeah. and accept that there's some shit he just not and it is what it is but it's like I think we forget that we are who we are because of the shit we went through so it's like can you really regret some of the things that are quote negative if they made you who you are yeah that's the hard thing man because there's (laughs) things that i do regret but then i can't regret them because it ended me in this situation so there's really nothing that i could change because looking from this day behind me i'm i'm happy with where i'm at right now so it was the proper pressure yeah you see what i'm saying yeah pressure pressure bus pipes now when you were uh when you were growing up and then you wanted this uh this goal of being in the nfl did you uh were you the only one that was putting that pressure on yourself well i um no one ever expected more of me than me got you that's the most important thing but my cousin curtis was the one who helped um really um organize it Mm -hmm. you know because again i'm still a kid you know, so I still needed the proper direction. And he, you know, he got a scholarship. He played at the University of Idaho. Mm. He was actually the first person in our family to win a championship. He'll remind you of that shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but when I was like 10, you know, he helped, you know, really kind of um, shape it up and organize it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, and I always had tremendous support from my brother, my sister, you know, and my, my little brother, who's my best friend, he's bigger than me, but he's still mm-hmm. younger than me. It yeah. is what it is, you know? <laughs> and I just always had tremendous support from my mom, my dad. Everybody was just always had my back and, you know, never told me what I couldn't do. But Curtis was the one that, you know, helped cultivate that dog. Gotcha. You know? Gotcha. Because I say that all the time. Some kids can't flip the switch. You know, I might be articulate right now, you know, and all that stuff. And we could talk about physics, but we put that helmet on and I'm a fucking demon. Mm-hmm. I'm not articulating shit. I'm coming for your throat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's just what it is. So you have to, if you're going to play that kind of sport, you know, you have to have a switch. And he helped me really bring the dog out. Gotcha. You know, like, you know, straight, you know, Memnon, you know, I'm coming up and I'm 
looking at, you know, me and my boy Whitney used to walk, run through your stretching lines pregame just so you knew this game was over the minute you scheduled us. What do you mean? You know, like, so teams would warm up and uh-huh. we would just go running through their stretching lines, you know, like, <laughs> or we'd warm up right next to them and just be doing ridiculous <laughs> shit, you know, just to terrify them, yeah. you know? So it was just, you know, we used to find the stupidest reasons. Plus, I'm, I have a, so there's a group, there's me and six of my cousins, this tattoo right here, it's called, it says Bala Click, right? Okay. So I'm the youngest, but there's seven of us, and uh, and we all said we're going to get a college scholarship, you know? The odds of that are not good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But we literally did, every one of us. Wow. And two of us went to the pros, myself and Carrie. So, you know, wow. we, it was really like, we, we were our brother's keeper, uh-huh. you know what I mean? So... Um, everybody had like was like minded, was focused. All of our paths were different, and for me, that's I think that's why I take the most pride because it shows the the heart yeah. that we all had. You know, like you go from me being ranked number one in the nation and having the pick of the litter to any school I wanted to go to, and carry you know going to USC, being their all time leading receiver when he left. You know, he was a second round draft pick, I was a third round draft pick, and then you'll go all the way to like. You know, my cousin, um, Tony, who, you know, had to back up at junior college for a little bit and then gets in the game and brings his team back to win it and gets a scholarship, you know, to Langston in Oklahoma or, you know, Jay Sean and James and Lonnie, who had to go to JUCO as DBs. And then Lonnie ends up starting for Marshall, you know, and, and, you know, James goes to Weber with my other cousin, Julian, and he went on a track scholarship. Wow. You see what I mean? So it's like. If Julian didn't necessarily get the money he wanted for football, but he was blazing fast, so he, he found a way. And yeah. now that dude's got like four Emmys because he, you know, he, he he was shooting for the Dodgers, their commercials. Yeah. Um, and then now he works for NFL Network. Wow. Yeah. So and all know, from this area. Yeah, we're all from this area. Wow. My cousin Jay Sean was in SWAT, and uh, and then he he retired. So everybody, even on the field, but even off the field, still kind of did their thing you know and when did you guys all click up we're well since birth oh since so family yeah. that's awesome and that's yeah. just that's just that you know i've got so many more cousins that got scholarships before me and after yeah yeah so it's it's kind of crazy people be thinking i'm lying that's awesome though <laughs> you dude. know what i mean so hard work pays off yeah man. well that's just my mom's side my cousin james ennis plays for the orlando magic right now oh really yeah and then my cousin nick jones was on santa clara when they won state back in the day um with bj ward and terrence dotsy and them mm-hmm. so athletic athletic i got a, got an athletic family for sure so you started um high school in oxnard high yeah i went to oxnard you went freshman. to saint bonnie yeah so that's like a different story in itself because mm. I, I grew up in Wyoming. Okay. Like, I mean, the beach almost, you know? So, um, which area? Off of Seaview Street. Seaview. Yeah. So, like, if you're going down Ventura Road, okay. you got to pass Pleasant Valley, you gotcha. even got to pass Wyoming Road. Gotcha. And it's the first street when you, if you're going south, uh-huh. like towards the beach in Wyoming, you'd make a right on Seaview. Gotcha. And then I'm right there. Okay. I know you where know, you're you at. You go any further, you're at the beach. Yeah. You know? So, um, so I grew up there. I played for the Rhinos with the late great Terry Fuller, um, you know, coach Coach Dan Hutchins and Steve, and uh, and so I, I, you know, I grew up there. I would, you know, dream about playing varsity football for the Vikings. I'd watch, you know, Ronnie um, do his thing and Kerry and James and all them. And so, but then um, 
my cousins, everybody but Carrie and Julian stayed at Wainimi, but James, J. Sean, Tony, Lonnie went to Oxnard. And okay. so I followed them to Oxnard. And so, but it made more sense for me because, like I said, my mom was a hospice nurse. Gotcha. So she was gone a lot of times at night. So a lot of the times I was already just staying with my cousin Curtis, who lived in Oxnard. Mm. So my mom was like, well, shit, I'll, you know, well, you know, he's technically like, you know, park guardian anyway, you know? So, um, so she filled out a paper saying that and I went to Oxnard, but Wainimi was so mad, you mm. know, they were so mad, you know? So we went, I went there and we came back, we played Wainimi, we beat him 50 to nothing. <laughs> to nothing? Yeah, oh, we smashed him. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Oh, so, And the principal, the varsity football coach and the athletic director were at the game. It's a freshman football game, dude. Like, what are you guys doing here? Yeah. <laughs> so within like a couple of weeks, the district was like, hey, he's got to come back because we don't think he lives in Oxnard. You know, we no think way. He, oh, yeah, it's crazy. So uh, this whole deal went down and they're like, you got to go back to Wainimi, you know. So Curtis was like, hell no, he ain't going there, right? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, nah. And, uh, you know, and I and so he he knew Tim Gutierrez real well. Tim Gutierrez went to Santa Clara. He went to San Diego State. He was a quarterback real good. Marshall Falk was his running back and all them. So. Um, so he knew Tim because they would work out together when they were in college and, all, you know, when in the summertime. Yeah. So he's like, hey, I got a little cousin who, you know, he's real good. So they're like, all right, bring him by, you know. So I went over there. When I got to, I didn't even know where St. Bonnie was. So it's like funny when people talk about St. Bonnie because no one knew where St. Bonnie was at all back then. You know, this is before phones like that. It ain't like we put it in our GPS, yeah. you know. So we had to find it. We finally found it. And he saw the big ass lineman and remember he had already played in college so he knew what a program was supposed to look got like. you got you so you know we part we pulled up he's like we're just gonna look at it by the time we went in and came out he was like your ass is coming in period yeah all my mom had to hear was private school education and she was so so um so i so everybody thinks i got recruited and that's the furthest thing from what happened you know, like I said, I didn't want to go there. I was the only black kid there, and I didn't know anybody. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and Oxnard had all the girls. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oxnard had them all. So I'm <laughs> like, I mean, my cousins was there. My team was good. The girl, I wasn't doing shit in school, though, so yeah. I needed to go. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so, you know, basically, I ended up going there, and, um, and I remember Coach Mack told me this way later. He told me this when I was done. He goes, yo, he called uh, the Real Mesa coach. Coach Lawrence, he coached the freshman team because we played Real Mesa Day, and he goes, hey, they got this kid, Lorenzo Booker, uh, and he's going to come here. Um, how good was he? And Coach Lawrence told him, hey, if you lose one game with him, you're not a good coach. Mm. We didn't lose no games, bro. Sick. I won 42-0. and 0. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. So I didn't find that out until like way later. You know, kind of glad they didn't put that, that stress <laughs> on me while I was there. You know what I mean? Like, damn, we just can't lose no games. So why was Wainimi getting a check or something? Like, why were they tripping? Nah, they're, well, I mean, they're mad because, um, I mean, look, I wouldn't even tell you, was I good? Yeah, obviously, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't even tell you as confident as I was and knew what I was going to do. Come on, bro. I couldn't have told you that I wasn't going to lose no games and I yeah. was going to break every state record and come on, man. Like, who can say that? So, but, you know, they just knew that I was good and. And remember, my cousins are had already left, mm -hmm. and I was younger. I was all, I'm the youngest, so they're like, nah, 
you know, you're going to have to come back. You know, they were just like, we're not going to be losing our players to, Got you. to Oxnard. I understand now that I'm grown, of course. Yeah. You know, um, do I think they went a little too far? You know, because there's, I mean, there's certain stuff that, you know, was done that I can't say was directly done because how can I just, you know, now I know why it was it done. It looks away. Yeah, yeah, you know, it looks away. You know, and they could tell me all they want, they didn't do it, but I know they did. Yeah. You know, so, but whatever. So there's certain things that were done throughout that process that I think was ridiculous because I was still only 14 years old. Wow. But I, I still understand why they did it. Um, and obviously looking back now, you know, thank you very much. Yeah. Because you know, I actually didn't start St. Bonnie. Why didn't you high school did? Because mm. they pushed me to St. Bonnie and all my boys came with. Really? So <laughs> I didn't actually create it, you know. So at what point did you start realizing that, you know, this dream is close to becoming a reality? My sophomore year, uh, we played a, my my uh, my first game, varsity game. So I played 42 varsity games and, and uh, I had 100 yards or more in 41 of them. Wow. And then, uh, but my first game was, uh, I scored the first time I touched it against Agora. But that wasn't it yet. It was like midway through the season and I was already leading the county in rushing. So you were you know, varsity from the beginning? From soft, as a sophomore. Oh my year. God. Yeah, so that year as a sophomore, halfway through I was like, all right, you know, I'm like really, like I'm like really doing some things. So yeah. I ended that year as a sophomore. I broke every single season rushing and scoring record in the county. So I broke the single season rushing record, points, and touchdown. And then, and then uh, the next year, I broke my own records. But Tyler broke the national record at that point. Tyler had like 4,500 yards and 60 some touchdowns. You know, and uh, and that's another dude. You know, not to backtrack, but. I got, him and Jason Parker, we all grew up together too. So for me, I'm looking for motivation anywhere, you know, and I, and so from Tyler's perspective, he just always seemed so fearless, you know what I mean? Like, and so the toughness that he displayed at a young age, and if you knew his dad, Dennis, then you would already know what time it is, you know? <laughs> Tyler had no choice but yeah. to be tough. <laughs> you know, you get him in here, he'll tell you some crazy ass stories, but, you know, but, um, but, so having guys that were older than me always motivated me. And so since Tyler was at Ventura and I was at St. Bonnie, which is like down the street, we would always go to each other's games. But that year I had 3,100 yards and 49 touchdowns. But Tyler had 4,500 yards and 64 touchdowns. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, so I broke my own record. But, you know, so I don't have – I'm second in the county in terms of – single season yards and touchdowns but i'm number one in the state in career when i ended my career i was number one in the state in yards number one in points and touchdowns and then um um but it just my sophomore year since i had already owned every single season record i was like all right this it's is on crazy. so when that started happening sophomore year did that uh what did that do for the rest of your life outside of football uh, friends, girls, everything, lifestyle. What was all that like? Um, well, it was all happening so fast, so I couldn't, like, I was just kind of enjoying the moment. Mm. You know, that was my funnest year of, of football because everything was new. Yeah. I was, like, realizing all my dreams, for, you know, like, right there. So that was my funnest year. After that, it just, you know, I was just kind of chasing my own expectations. Gotcha. You know, 
Like it, at that after my sophomore year, it wasn't a matter if we were gonna win. It was by how much. Mm. And then my senior year was like, if we don't win by forty, then something's wrong. You know. So it was just kind of. Um, so it changed because I then, but St. Bonnie is very little. And, you know, my cousin Curtis really, by then I'm 16. And so I think a certain way, you know, it's just, I don't see anybody. I don't see nobody. If you in my way, then that's your ass. You know, it just, there's just a certain mindset that I had. And my boy Whitney didn't help it. Cause you know, I tell you all the time, like as much as I did in high school, I wasn't the best player on the field. Whitney was, and he was younger than me. You know, that dude was a freak. Mm -hmm. So as much motivation as I already had, having a dude next to me that just could do everything, it just, he didn't have any weaknesses. Yeah, That was even more motivating, so we fed off each other. So we would come into games and we wouldn't even see in the defense, dude. Yeah. But again, we're in this small environment, we're not realizing what we're doing. You know, we're sending ripples through how the, you know, football is even played in the county. You know, it's just, they start changing rules, you know? I mean, they made it to where you couldn't transfer no more like that. It just, mm. Yeah, they start changing everything because we were just destroying people. So, but we're not understanding what's happening. You know, like we're just playing and, and finding different ways to motivate ourselves. And then, you know, my cousin Terrell came in and he, to this day, still has the fastest 100 meter finished. Um, he's fin he finished number two in the state. That's still the highest finish by any boy in county history. And he's two years younger than me. So, you know, you had the three of us, and then my cousin Jay Sean came in, and he set the school record, still stands today for picks. You see what I mean? So it was like we just, it was like backyard football for us because uh -huh. we grew up together. So we just talking shit to each other during games. You know what I mean? Hey, it's your turn. Oh, it's your turn. We didn't even see the defense. Uh -huh. So, you know, it just, it changed a lot. But St. Bonnie did, did a great job of keeping you focused which was great while I was playing, but it ended up, um, I don't want to say being a negative thing, but it just it allowed it to where when I finally had to confront, so to speak, the hype that I was getting, I wasn't ready for it at all. Mm -hmm. How so? Well, because, I mean, people see people signing on ESPN now, it's like nothing. No one ever did that before me. No football player mm -hmm. ever did that before me. So... Um, you know, and I won three of the four National Player of the Year awards. It was just like, you know, so they uh, they they're like, hey, do you want to make your decision on Sports Center? And that's when shit changed. Wow. And that's when it was like I couldn't go nowhere. So this is the decision to which college you were gonna yeah, go to. Yeah, but you know, like I said, people see it now. There's shows of their shit now. Okay. There was nothing like that then. You know, and this was this was on Sports Center though. Yeah. Like, you know, this wasn't like. You know, okay, we're going to stream it on a, you know, like I walked into that hotel and I got swarmed by cameras. You know, that shit was stressful, man. I was only 17, you know, like. Where was so this at? At the the hotel, the Casa Serena Hotel. Okay, you know cool. Called? Here. Yeah, so, okay. Um, but uh, it was on Sports Center all week. And I really didn't know, like my dream school is Florida State. But remember, I told you how I went to St. Bonnie and how it worked out. Mm -hmm. So Notre Dame looked like that. Mm-hmm. You know, but on roids. You know, I mean, this is Notre Dame. So, mm -hmm. Willingham was just getting the job there. They didn't have anybody that had my skill set. You know, and so it just looked like, okay, I should make. You know, I I can't make an emotional decision. I need to make a logical decision. You know, but Florida State was my dream school. I mean, it just, it just was my dream school. 
you know, so I'm like, damn, do I turn down my dream school or do I try to make a quote, you know, better decision? And I say quote, cause it's, you know, it's not, I mean, it's Notre Dame. You'd understand why somebody would go there. They're on national TV every week, you know, but it just wasn't where I wanted to go. Gotcha. So, but I was just going back and forth. So the morning comes and, uh, and I don't know where I'm going. You know, by now I'm feeling the weight of everybody. I can't escape it. That morning. Oh man. <laughs> you know, but my sister was really the one who kind of switched it up. Cause me and my sister are alike. We're super tight, but we're alike in ways that don't necessarily serve us either. Mm. So she just went for the jugular. Hey, you're dumb. How are you gonna do all this work and not go to Florida State? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she just kept it 100. You know, and, you know, I wasn't trying to hear that shit, but she was right. You yeah. know, I heard it. You can't not hear something. <laughs> yeah. So when I, when I calmed down, she was right. You know, so that morning I was just stressed out, man. It, was, it just, it wasn't fun. Yeah. And I walked in. I was literally in class, still didn't know where I was going. Knowing that the weight of this, you know, everybody in school is asking me. I mean, the pressure to decide was so bad because Pete Carroll and Norm Chow and all them would come up to the school every day every single day almost at lunch and it just got and they would pull me out of the same class my french class and i was i'm you know i was real tight with my french teacher like even way after the fact she came to tallahassee and saw me like she was oh wow oh yeah (laughs) and so um and she noticed it you know she noticed it and uh but so they pulled me out and i never forget i told todd there and i was like yo i'm not going up there he's like you gotta go up there what do you mean i was like i'm not going up there i just wanted to be a kid bro I'm not going up there. I don't care what you say. We'll stand here in the hallway all day. I'm not going up there. You know what I mean? That's how bad it was. Pete Carroll is right here waiting for you in the coach's office. I'm like, I don't give a damn. He'll be there all day. You know, so um, so I go, we go over to the hotel, and uh, and uh, I just get swarmed, and it's just making it worse, you know. I mean, so my cousin Curtis, if you look at, like, the footage, he's talking to me, and he's and at one point he was like, look, we'll just send everybody home if you really don't know. So this was all set up this for is, just you? I mean, well, this, everybody at that time always signed there. Gotcha. Clearly okay. they saved me for last. Gotcha, well, gotcha, you know, gotcha. So, you know, so in the midst of me waiting, Tim Brown calls me on the phone. Hey, you should go to Notre Dame. Then Jerome Bettis calls me on the phone. Hey, you should go to Notre Dame. That shit didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> Made it worse, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like golly. So you know, I ended up getting up there, and I was like, man, fuck that. I gotta just do what I know is right, you know. Yeah. So once I decided, this shit just, you know, I just broke down because I was so stressed out, you know. But that shit was stressful, bro. It really was. All right, guys. I hope you're enjoying the show. We got our last sponsor, and glad to have them back. Aeromotive. Piecing together a fuel system for your build can be a difficult task. Luckily, Aeromotive has your back with everything from replacement fuel pumps to fuel systems that will support 3,000 horsepower. That is lit, dude. Aeromotive's engineers have developed a solution for your build regardless of power level. If you're looking to make a switch over to E85, they have every part that you need to build a system that will be what you need and it'll get you going man so make sure you guys check them out at aeromotiveinc.com and uh, you can check out some of their newest 
products like the uh, brushless pump line. It's one of the newest pumps that they have. It's quieter, makes less heat, and it lasts longer than traditional brushed motor fuel pumps. They range from the original A1000 all the way up to 10 gallons per minute for 3,000 plus horsepower. Or if you guys don't have anything that crazy, you can check out their popular pump, which is the Stealth 340. It's the top selling pump and it takes up to 700 horsepower for EFI setups or 1,000 for a carburetor. And if you just don't know what you need, but you know that you need it, you can hit up their customization shop and say, hey, look at this is what I got. I got the new V8K series and I need the fuel kit to go with it. And I need the bing bop and the boom and they'll take care of you, man. And if you're a pro drifter or if you're someone who's serious about their car, like Matt Field, the pro drifter, you guys should check out their rebuild program, man. So when you're on an off season or when you're chilling or when you blow your motor and you're just like, I don't know what to do. I just got to do some car stuff right now. Take out all your stuff, send it in to Aeromotive. They'll fix it up. They'll get the Q-tips, they'll fix it all up, get a little WD in there and then uh, rebuild it and you'll be ready to go, man. So make sure you guys check Aeromotive out at aeromotiveinc.com. And if you do see anything on there, if you guys do want to get one of these Stealth 340s, make sure you use code DTWD for 10% off. And uh, yeah, man, big shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for supporting Downtime with Downstar. Without any of our sponsors, guys, the show would not be able to go on. So please just show them some love and uh, thank you. Thank you guys for listening. It's I'm so excited to be back podcasting. This The podcast is not going to be scheduled like it was before. Life is just way too busy to be doing two podcasts a week. So we're definitely going to focus on the, uh, the type of guests that we're getting on and uh, we're going to make the the conversations a, a little a little deeper hitting i don't know dude we're just going we're just doing and we're just having fun and i hope you guys are still having fun with the show because once you guys aren't having fun i'm not having fun and we ain't doing this anymore but uh make sure you guys check us out at downtime with downstar on instagram and just go interact with us let us know who you guys want to hear on the podcast and what you want to hear us talk about and if you want to hear us talk about aliens conspiracy theories or what have you leave that below and uh enjoy the rest of this episode big shout out to lorenzo booker and um, make sure you guys go support him with all his endeavors and let's get back to it so what at, when did you decide as you were walking up there or what mm-hmm. Wow. Literally. I mean, <laughs> people who know me will tell you, like, I don't lie to myself. You know, that's one thing I don't do, you know, and that's why I'm glad that I'm that way because I I don't regret anything mm-hmm. because when push came to shove, I always did what I wanted to do, you know. So, um, but uh, USC, though, they tried. Mm-hmm. I remember, so on my recruiting trip, I got I would always get a migraine going to USC. That was the universe telling me, your ass ain't coming here period every time i went i would get a migraine because they recruited they were aggressive you know and me i don't need you to suck me off bro yeah like i don't you know what i mean like like you don't gotta tell me how good i am and shit like i don't want to hear all that so um you know so i got another migraine so i stayed in the room with my mom but usc was playing like kentucky or something so curtis goes with pete carroll to the game remember that but they're expecting me to go there so they're sitting behind the band and then they call a timeout, you know. So then Curtis starts to hear, he's like, are they saying Booker? Like, you know, he's it's kind of faint, you know. He's like, oh, whatever. And all of a sudden, it gets louder and, and it gets louder. And then the whole band turns around and they start playing the fight song. So Pete Carroll tells him, hey, bro, they think 
you're Lorenzo. You're going to have to do something. So the whole fucking stadium is saying, we want Booker. We want Booker. So Curtis, my cousin Curtis, stands up, and he's doing the USC victory shit. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and so of all the shit that ever happened when I was recruited, I hate that I missed that the most. But then part of me is like, I don't, you know, because I wonder what was going through his head <laughs> when he was having to do Hell that. yeah. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Oh, man, thank God for that cell phones and shit weren't going at that time because, you know, then people would have been like, damn, Booker is old? You know, my cousin Curtis actually looks young, but they would have known, though, that motherfucker's not 17. I'm sorry. He got a full goat, you know what I mean? And Book don't got no curl. You yeah. Know? So <laughs> it would have just been, you know, but. Wow. Yeah, that shit was nutty, man. So then you get to Florida and what's it like, bro? bro gators so tmz caught me one time you know i was a little you know i wasn't in my right mind so to speak gotcha but i always say it's like but i don't mean anything negative by it but i said it's like it's like varsity blues on steroids Uh uh-huh you know now when i say that people think oh well florida state y'all just bullshitting and all that no we're not it's not that Mm. but See, what people don't realize is when you play fort football down south, that shit's religion, bro. And in Tallahassee, there's no professional sports. So Florida State, mm. they are the professional team. Not to mention, since Florida State has 40-plus thousand students, but FAMU, which is a historically black college, is literally three miles from there. Mm. That's 9,000 more students. And then TCC, Tallahassee Community College, is five miles in the other direction. So it's all college students. Also, Florida State was an all-girls school just 60 years ago. So the girl-to-guy ratio is like five or six to one. In the University of Florida with a bunch of inbreds. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell we don't like the University of Florida? For all you Gator fans out there, hey, look, I know all y'all related, okay? (laughs) That's who Bobby Boucher played, right? Exactly. Now you know where the movie The Waterboy came from, the University of Florida. (laughs) So there were there was an all that was an all guy school. So their guy to girl ratio is like five six to one. So now you got a question cast that go to University of Florida. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sarcasm, but a little serious. <laughs> nah, but uh, you can't even buy Gatorade in Tallahassee. Oh wow! Absolutely not. We hate each other. <laughs> Absolutely. How far is it? Two hours. Okay. It's like going from like so it's 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 down the street. Gotcha. You know? I mean, and it's it's vicious. We don't hate Miami. Mm-hmm. We don't like them for that day, but we don't hate Miami. Mm-hmm. But we, us and Miami both hate Florida. Now, where is uh, Florida State at? In Tallahassee, in the capital. Okay. So you can be in Thomasville, Georgia in like 25 minutes. Okay. It's like if you fly into Florida, you're thinking, because have you been to Florida? Yeah, Orlando. Okay, so you've been to Orlando, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Orlando, it's there's parts of it where it's it's very green and you know what i mean but then there's parts that are like city like yeah. too well if you flying into tallahassee is like flying into fresno okay you're gonna gotcha. be if you've never been to florida you know or south florida you're gonna be like this is florida gotcha you fly into tallahassee and you're like where am i till your ass hit tennessee street on mm. thursday night Lit. friday <laughs> man come on so the girls gone wild would come every spring you know what i'm saying Like, bro, look, Florida State ain't no joke, bro. You know? (laughs) So they would come every spring. And uh, and then, like, you know, it's just football's God there. It just, it's everything. You know, I remember I I was taking this uh, biology class 
And I thought the teacher hated me, and rightfully so. I was probably bullshitting. But it was one of those auditorium classes. Mm -hmm. So my boy Sam Bennett was out there with me then. We had just played Virginia, and Virginia was ranked like fifth, and we were sixth. So Rondé Barber and Derek Brooks drove up from Tampa because they were both with the Bucks at the time. And Rondé went to Virginia, you know. So, you know, he's like, Buck, look, I need 130 and two touchdowns today in the locker room. And I literally got 134 and two touchdowns, and we smacked Virginia, right? Wow. So I go into class like Monday, and I'm late. So I'm like, fuck. This guy's really going to think I think my shit don't stink. Cause yeah. I just oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, I open the door. He hears it. And he looks up. And he puts his clipboard under his arm. And I'm just like, oh, this guy's going to kill me right <laughs> now. He's just going to light me up in front of the whole class. Like 100 students, you know? And he just start clapping his hand. Whole damn class gave me a standing ovation. Great game. It was just like, damn. <laughs> you know, Florida State's the bomb, bro. Wow. It's just the bomb. Florida State is the bomb. Hell you know, yeah. Like it just... It was the greatest time of my life. Easy. Put it this way. It was funner at Florida State than it was me having money and being able to go to Vegas and all this stuff in the pros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still funner at Florida State. Really? Bro. Girls gone wild. I, I'd never seen it in life, but just like the 30 seconds, Man. they would be on the commercial real quick. It was just... <laughs> Tallahassee <laughs> was the bomb, bro. Like, it really, it really was. But like I said, I don't say that to say... Because I never got in trouble, you know what I mean? You never read nothing about me. It's not that, you know, I mean, shit, I got my degree. It's not, it's not, I'm not saying that everyone out there was bullshit. I'm just saying it was fun. For a kid who's 19, 20 playing football, it's fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? The girls look good. What's, what's wrong with that? There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm not going to sit up here and bullshit you and act like, oh, no, I was going to class every day. And yeah. Come on, bro. Like, come on. There's stop. a certain window in, in a man's life that they need to take advantage of that time, you know, from like your teens to when you're yeah. figuring out like, oh, shit, she looks good yeah. to like time where it's now I got to get to business. Now yeah. I got to figure out my career. You already knew your career, but, yeah. you know, for other people, you know, I got a career, I got to figure out, I got to move out or whatever, yeah. you know, but in that small window that you, that, that a man is like growing into him, who he's going to be. That's a special time, man. I could just imagine what it was like. <laughs> it was, it was fun, bro. Hell, I, mean, yeah. I can't even. I can't even lie. And then I got drafted by the Dolphins, so mm -hmm. I was in Miami. Like, oh, okay, you so, know what I mean. So how far was? Uh, it's like it's seven hours if you drive. Gotcha. Because Florida, gotcha, Tallahassee gotcha. is at the top. Gotcha. And then Miami's okay. at the bottom. Okay. Okay. So okay. you take the I ninety five South and you just ride it. Uh huh. You know. So if if I couldn't live in South, and then my girlfriend at the time. Um, at that particular time for the majority of my college career um, was from South Florida. Mm. So I was, and my boys, you know, I had a lot of friends who were Cubans and, and so they were from South Florida. So I was down there all the time. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So when I got drafted, it almost felt like being drafted to like the Chargers. Mm. You know okay. what I mean? Like that's how it felt. So, you know, um, but it was, so that made draft day even just even better. Yeah. It was a shitty day, but it was the best day. It's the best worst day. <laughs> How so? Because you know you you're, you don't know. I think it might have been Carrie who told me. Yeah, it was Carrie. He said, "Yo, you're not gonna get stressed out until or unless somebody goes over you that wasn't supposed to." Mm, okay. So I was slated right behind Marshawn Lynch and Adrian Peterson. I mean, fuck. I you know I get it. Yeah. Okay. You know so, but AP went sixth or seventh, and Marshawn went like twelfth. So they were gone quick. You know, so 
there was this sweet spot in the second round with the Titans, the Rams, um, the and the like the Giants, and all three of them needed like a scat back. You know what I mean? The Giants went with a receiver. The Titans went with this bum ass running back out of Arizona named Chris Henry. He sucked, but he was a combine warrior. You know, like he looked like Tarzan, but he fucking played like James. God. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he was cool, yeah. you know, but fuck, hey, you know, it is what it is, bro. You're not going to look at my film and his film and go, yeah, I'm going to take this guy. That's gotcha. why you don't even know who the fuck I'm talking about. Gotcha. So they took him, which I was super heated at because I'm like, Norm Chow, you wanted that. He was wedding dick stiff. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, come on, what are you going to do with this guy? So I don't think it was Norm that picked him, probably, you know? But uh, but so they took him, and then uh, um, and then the Rams took this dude named Brian Leonard out of Rutgers, who ended up being a pretty good player. And the Bengals, I'm sorry, they took a running back out of Auburn named Kenny Irons. But, you know, poor Kenny, he tore his ACL. Mm. He tore his knee off in the preseason, and he just never played again. So the second round goes, and now I'm feeling it, mm. you know. But I know the business, so I know after the first two rounds, you go best available player. So now I'm going, well, shit, I could be anywhere now. But only like four picks in, I got the call from the Dolphins, and I just, you know, I was like, okay, I'm glad I didn't. You know what? I'll forego that extra hundred grand just to go to Miami. You <laughs> yeah. Know? So uh, you know, but it's just the best worst day because you don't know. And then when you go, though, it's just, I mean, you could have dropped me off in the Sahara and I would have been high as a kite. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everyone else was wasted that night but me. Yeah. I was just so high off life, bro. You know what I mean? Like it just, plus it was cameras there from NFL Network. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, damn, I don't want to be looking all stressed out on the camera. You know, it's just the limo was about to be there in like an hour and a half, you know? (laughs) So I'm like thinking about all kind of shit. But, uh, you know, but it was, it, like I said, it was the best, worst day, you know? Yeah. It was cool. So then you go on the Dolphins. How long did you play for the Dolphins? Only my first year. So after I got picked by Miami, um, the Eagles were like four picks behind. And they ended up picking a, a friend of mine that went to Penn State. His name is Tony Hunt. But apparently they wanted to pick me with that pick. Mm-hmm. So they tried to trade for me the minute I got drafted. Mm. But Miami was like, nah, nah, nope. You know, and I guess they had tried to trade for me three times that year. So when I went to Miami, long story short, I ended up getting rookie of the year for my team. Um, so, um, you know, I was, I mean, I'm in Miami. I lived Damn. in this penthouse downtown. I mean, I was loving life. Now, what year was this? Oh, seven. Oh, seven. Yeah. So, got you. Um, so then the coach got fired and Parcells came in. So, um, you know, Parcells, but even Parcells valued me. It's not that he didn't. But Andy Reid figured, okay, they got to change in, you know, in, in management. So I'm gonna try again. Mm. So on draft day, uh, they traded me for a fourth round pick. Now, for people who don't understand how trades work with draft picks, you know, you don't just give up fourth round picks, right? For example, Randy Moss got traded from the Raiders to the to the Patriots for a fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. This is Randy Moss, okay? Santonio Holmes. After he was a Super Bowl hero, got traded for a fifth round pick. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, so it was flattering for me that damn, after just one year, they were willing to give up a fourth round pick. Um, you know, so but it broke my heart. I damn near cried because mm. you're telling me I got to move from Miami to Philly. To Philly. 
Now, look, I don't know if you've been to Philly. Yeah, I've been to Philly. Bro, then you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you watch Rocky, yeah, it looks like that. You know, I'm not not four, where the motherfucker was living in a mansion and yeah. shit. One. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where he had that fucked up sweatsuit. Yeah. And, you know, that's what Philly looks like. Yeah. So I'm like, bro, I'm going from Miami to here. Oh, my God. Oh, man, it broke my heart, bro. 07, 08. How was how was Miami for like uh, you know like clubbing? Because wasn't that when like Rick Ross was pretty popping oh, out yeah, there, Little Wayne and I was in the South, bro, at a great time because mm-hmm. I was in the South, like you said, when Weezy started to come into mm-hmm. his own. I was in the South. I got to Florida State right when Ti dropped his first album. I'm serious. Ooh. That's still my favorite Ti album. You know, T Pain is from Tallahassee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he would, you know, I've seen that dude perform a million times for free. Yeah, because he was trying to get put on. You know. So I was down south at that time, you know, Outkast was still popping, you know, but um, Rick Ross was coming on, you know, like you said, it just um, Daddy Yankee. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was down there at that time. And uh, and uh, but the thing about Miami is that nothing closes. So I hear everything closes at two. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, but down there, you know, you'll go, you'll leave the club at four, but then there's another after hour spot that opens up at five thirty or whatever the case. Oh my right? god! Yeah. So, and even the strip club out there, night and day different than here. You know what I mean? Like people at the strip club in Miami, you'll go there and eat a full meal, a high end four star meal. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you, you know, it's just, it's just completely different. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, it just, but even that. It was just so much fun being in Miami. It's just there's not really much I can, you know, it's hard to describe to people that haven't been out. You yeah. know what I'm trying to say? So, Have you ever been to a live on Sundays? Was that a thing here? back then? Or, or out in Miami? There? You know what? I might have. I always hear uh, Meek Mill talking about it. <laughs> I might have. I mean, you know. I've been everywhere else, though. <laughs> I lived through the rappers. <laughs> That's well, how I live my life. Tell you what, they ain't lying. So you then know? you get the call, bro, and then you got to go to beautiful Philadelphia. Oh, my God. So what was that like? So I went, and uh, like I said, it was flattering because, first of all, my team was going to be way better. We were 1-15 in, in Miami. But I didn't care. I was 23, bro. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like I just made like $1.34 million. I ain't yeah. tripping. You know, I was like, whatever. <laughs> so, um, But I go to Philly, and... Uh, and then in Sports Illustrated, we were picked to go to the Super Bowl that year. But it took me months to get used to that. The best thing, though, the reason why I, 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 you know, the best thing about being traded, though, is it took me out of a certain mindset. You know, like, I basically would work out Monday through Thursday in OTAs. And what OTAs are, it's off-season training. So you lift weights and you run. So Monday through Thursday, but you get paid for that. You know, but it was only like 500 bucks a week. Gotcha. No, I'm not saying only like it's, but you know, I mean, come on, bro. Like I just made, like I said, 1.3 or $4 million. I'm not even, I'm, 500 bucks will be in my glove box. Yeah, for yeah, a minute, yeah. You know, like, so I'm 23 years old. So basically I would take that and party with that. So Monday through th- Thursday, I wouldn't, I would go hard with the workouts. And then that way on the weekend, I would get it in. And, and so I was like, I never been a real hard partier. But I was like living my best life during that period, mm. you know. So I was like watching the sun come up on the weekends, you know, and I was just having fun. Hell yeah. So I, I'm happy though because my son had just turned, was turning one. Okay. So it, 
put it to where I went from being in Miami with a bunch of distraction to where, you know, there's nothing to do in Philadelphia, at least for me. Mm-hmm. I'm from Southern California. I was in Tallahassee and Miami. Philly can't do shit for me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Please. So it, it um, so there, it, I was able to really, like, raise my son. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Like, because there just wasn't no distraction. Not yeah. that I wouldn't have anyway. It's not like I'm saying that. I'm just saying it took away any type of distraction. Yeah, I feel you. You know what I mean? Like, there's just nothing to do in Philly. So, besides cheese steaks. Yeah, yeah. Philly. What? What is it? Gino's. Yeah, or? but I didn't like Gino's and Pat's. I, I, we, when we would go, we'll get one sandwich from each, and then we'll yeah. half it, and then my wife will so have a bowl, try it. so we could yeah. try it both. I like Scotto's. That was mm. I liked Scotto's better than Gino's. Yeah, every time that we went there, all the locals are like, "Why do you guys go there?" Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it was you know always what I mean? sunny in Philadelphia. I don't know. They probably like told you in a way more like arrogant Dick way. way. Yeah. yeah. Hey man, what <laughs> you doing over there, clown? You know. <laughs> you know what's so funny, dude? One of the last times that we were in Philly, around that area, we were in. Um, what the fuck is it called in New Jersey? There's that. That's where Camden. most of us live. Oh, Camden is hood, Jack. <laughs> we went. Man, Harold Carmichael tried to play a trick on me and tell me he wanted to help me find a place to live in Camden. <laughs> so by the time, <laughs> so by the time I start telling like Brian Westbrook and Donovan, they was like, "What?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and and so Harold, could we, bro, we go over. Harold was just in tears. You know. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go look at this spot in Camden. And they walked me over to him because they thought I was bullshitting. And they walked me over to him like, hey, Harold, you trying to get this man robbed? Camden, Jack. Man. Guys, if you're not listening, uh, if you've seen the show The Wire, where they have houses that are just condemned everywhere, that's uh, Camden. But shout out to Camden, though. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of car guys that come out of Camden. And it's a, it's a rough area. But, I mean, if that's where you got to live at, man, that's where you got to live. <laughs> that's funny though we went out there for a car show before and we were just driving around because we had the whole day to chill and I, there's there's the ruckers right there and yeah. there's like a stadium so we were gonna oh let's go see the stadium and then we're just driving around and i'm like babe i don't know if we're in a good area right bro camden <laughs> man that's not the spot you know i mean i know we think we got little hoods out here no now. that's real hood people don't know what a hood is out here yeah no definitely even even like la and stuff i've never been anywhere in la where i've i've felt in danger maybe it yeah. was i was there at the right time i yeah. wasn't there at middle of the night or anything but it was dead ass in the middle of the day on like a thursday and it was scary you know just off of the I mean, just the poverty, you know, right out of the gate from yeah. being in Camden. Like, okay, this can't be a good area. They don't even have a police department. You know, yeah. So this can't be a good area. You know, like, so we would do a playground build in Camden. Mm. You know, like, but security up the ass, of course, you know. And, uh, but I remember the bus pulling out. And I swear I couldn't, I couldn't make this up if I tried. And it was a kid. He was a kid. No more than like 15. And he was standing there and it was like three or four other cats in front of him, like confronting him, like on some straight gangster shit, like, like, where's my shit type type of confrontation. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I'm on the bus, but I could, it's something, he did something. Okay. And as we're driving, the bigger guy who clearly was grown, just stole him and stole him. I mean, just like punched him right in his face, you know, and this happened literally as we're driving by. And I just remember thinking like, 
So no one's going to stop. <laughs> like, we just going to drive by like that shit didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, and I just, man, I just went home, bro. And I just was like looking at my son. And I'm just like, damn, that was somebody else's son. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, damn. Yeah, it's 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 easy to look at those areas and trip out and, you know, just be kind of just uh, <clears throat> just surprised. But that is literally somebody's life. That's literally how yeah. people grow up and they don't have any any other uh, any other examples it's just the life that they were born with yeah, you know yeah. and it was funny because um my wife she posted a picture of the of camden and she didn't say anything bad about it but then people were commenting and then she hashtagged it camden and then people from camden were were like defending it mm -hmm. like yeah you know it's it's got to be hard to live in a place like oh, that man you know, and it's just, um, man, I wish him the best. Big shout out to Camden. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's culture shock. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Definitely. Uh, you know, it's, um, and, and people, they don't understand the type of mindset that poverty breeds, mm -hmm. you know, and the government knows that shit, you know, so, you know, it's, it's, you know, if you're, if you are, are, if you're not getting basic human necessities, bro, you're going to behave like an animal and animals definitely behave to survive. Mm -hmm. It's all about survival. You know, there's no time to have a conversation like we're having. Can't be fucking cerebral when you're wondering where your next meal's gonna come from. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just in case people don't know where Camden is, it's in the Northeast. It's fucking cold out there. Yeah. You think you're cold right now? This ain't shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. So it's just, you know, every day you're not knowing if you're gonna have basic necessities. And so that, like I said, how can you, it's hard to not behave like an animal when you're basically being cultivated like an animal. Yeah. You know? you know, I think that's the 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 lens that a lot of people don't want to look at it through, but it's the reality. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are set up just to fail. And you could say, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps or what have you, but you've never been in that situation. You don't know. Exactly. You've never been where your stomach hurt and you don't have a meal. And maybe you have, but your mom is just not home to cook yeah. it yet. <laughs> yeah. You know, they don't know. Nah, that what, what that was, was, you know, now your body is depleting its glycogen storage. And that's a good thing because yeah. now it's going to start eating fat. <laughs> good for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go a few more hours. Yeah, I feel you, man. So, Philly, what was that like? It was football-wise, it was the best organization I played for. Really? Donovan was the shit. Um, Westbrook was the shit. I mean, my teammates were awesome. Deshaun Jackson got there same time as me. Um, so, and so did Asante Samuel and we almost went to the Super Bowl that year. Mm. Um, we lost to the Cardinals with like three minutes left, two minutes left in the game. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it hurt. That yeah. was the only off season in the pros where I didn't want to go home. Mm. Cause I just felt like, I can't believe we're going home. The Super Bowl that year was against the Steelers who we had already beaten week three. Mm. So it was going to be like a Pennsylvania Super Bowl, you know? Yeah. And then the, um, the Flyers had, or not the Flyers, but the, the Phillies had just won it. And in Philly, I know you know, you know, like the football facility, not this, no, the stadium. So this, all of the stadiums are like right there. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So it was like Philly is about to be crazy. You know, the, the Phillies just won and, you know, now we're going to win. And I think the Flyers were doing really, really good too. So it was like crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, but it hurt. It hurt because, um, you know, we had guys like Brian Dawkins. I mean, just, that dude is everything that you see on YouTube. Everything. I mean, he just, guy's just a fantastic teammate. 
You know what I mean? Just amazing. You know, Donovan was awesome. Um, Westbrook was awesome. It just, even a lot of the guys on the defense. And, and that was cool because Chris Gokong is from Carpinteria. He went to Carpinteria High School. Oh, wow. And uh, I played against him in high school and he and I were teammates over there. No way. That's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. So there was just a lot going on. And then the Super Bowl was in Tampa. Mm. You know, I was going to get to get to, go oh, back to shit. Florida. Yeah. So it was like, man, mm. you know, that one hurt, you know. And then uh, 2009, we came up short again. But 2010, I signed with uh, Minnesota. Mm. Okay. And uh, that was a whole nother level of cold, bro. Shit. Like, I mean, it was cold in Philly, but not like Minnesota. It was like below. Oh, negative 34 was the worst it got. One time I didn't get above zero for like three weeks. 34. Negative 34. Oh my God. Yeah, man. We played in that shit. Remember when the dome caved in? Yeah. So the Metro Dome caved in. We played outside. Bro. So what people don't understand is like Green Bay or the Bears or the Eagles even. When they know that they're going to be playing outside in the winter, there's heating coals under the field. So even though it's really, really cold everywhere else, the turf doesn't get that cold. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, if it gets that cold, it's like playing on cement. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're preparing for that. University of Minnesota, no college teams play that late in the winter. So there's no need to have heating coals. But that's where we played. So they had to hire random people that lived in the city and pay them 10 bucks an hour. And it took them three days just to get all the snow off the field. Under the snow was like eight inches of ice. They had to chisel through that shit. Then after that, they put a bunch of heaters that are hot as hell. But come on, bro. We're playing a football game in three days. You're not thawing out the field that fast. <laughs> and what they, are you going to do with that water? Exactly. So, man, we played on that <laughs> shit. So that was Brett Favre's last game. That's the funny thing I tell people. I was on the field for Brett's last touchdown and his last play. Wow. And his last play. Because that whole year, I don't know if you remember, Brett's arm was jacked. Mm -hmm. You know, that shit would change colors, you know. So we come in the locker room and all of a sudden he's going to play. So, you know, that was one time. So he threw that touchdown to Percy and we took the lead. And I was celebrating with Brett. That shit was in the paper too. And I just remember thinking when I was jogging off the field, like, where the fuck am I right now? I'm over here (laughs) celebrating with Brett Favre and shit. You know, like, what the fuck? Like, you know, I'm from Port Wainini. What the fuck is going on? You know, like tripping out so um and then his last play he got slammed but everybody thought it was his arm no he hit his head on that hard ass turf and he was knocked out cold oh shit that's what that was his you know it wasn't his arm he was knocked out yeah turf was like playing on cement you know so yeah bro and then after playing in a game i had to you know chisel all the snow off of the my my car (laughs) shit sucks so what's it like playing in that cold terrible you got to be a schizo you have to talk to yourself like every play you know what i mean like i mean literally bro whatever it takes i asked brett because i was like well i'm gonna you know what are we i'm like how did you play in green bay all this time you know what i'm saying and he was like i mean because he's from mississippi he ain't you know he ain't used he's not supposed to be used to this shit either yeah He's just like, you know, I just looked at it like a challenge, you know, like everything else. And I was like, you know, all right. You know, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll challenge myself then. <laughs> I mean, fuck, you know, I'm going to challenge myself and try to convince myself. Now, you want to talk about alchemy. 
let me try to convince myself it's 100 degrees out here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, you got you have no choice. Yeah. You know, you can't have coaches thinking that, you know, you can't play in cold weather. Because it doesn't matter who you play for. Yeah. Like, even playing for Miami. But they're in the AFC East. The other three teams in their division are New England, the Jets, and the Bills. Mm. Come on, bro. And you know what? Ironically, we went there in the second half of the season. And they came to us in the first half of the season. And my thing was, why don't we just flip that? Because yeah. I know they don't want to play in this heat. And we damn sure don't want to play in that cold. <laughs> so why don't we go there first and you come here second? I never understood that. Yeah. Like, irritating. You know what I'm saying? Like, but whatever. But, so you still ended up becoming a Viking. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny you say that? The first time I got my helmet, that was the first thing I thought. No of. way. If you would have told me when I was a kid that I would have, the first time I'd have been a Viking was when I was 26, <laughs> 27 years old. I'd have thought you was crazy. You know, but but that fool AP, that's the greatest player I ever played with. Really? Oh, my God. What was it like playing with these guys? You know. It's like your idols. Yeah, Michael Vick. I was the most starstruck mm. because I just looked up to him. You know, in college, I had three posters. I had Snoop and uh, Tupac because, mm-hmm. you know, it's Cali all day. Yeah. I give them where I'm at. I had Ali standing over Sonny Liston, mm-hmm. you know, obviously. But I had a picture of Vic. So when Vic came in, you know, I was I couldn't even sleep the night before because we had just played New England. And Andy Reid was like, look, I need to tell you guys something. It's going to be a lot of media outside the facility tomorrow. He was like. I just signed Michael Vick. And so the whole locker room was like, what? You know, you just signed Vick? So, you know, the next day you go in to review the film. And as soon as we pulled up, it was all kind of people, like, you know, um, pet people outside uh-huh. just going crazy. So we go in there, but we were watching the, but I was so nervous because I love Michael Vick, mm-hmm. you know? So we're, we, we're as, a, as an offense, we watched the first half as an offense and then after the first half we split up into segments so running backs quarterbacks receivers linemen split up to watch the rest of the film so i was thinking dang how do i say what's up to mike without sounding like a fucking cheerleader you know but i didn't have to because uh in that game i had got a draw where i juked the shit out of a linebacker and then they motioned me out of the backfield a few plays later and i took a linebacker up top so i made a couple plays when we left as we left the meeting room, he was like, damn, Book, why'd you do him like that? And it was like, oh, you know, <laughs> I was like, he, he just said something to me, you know? So it was like, uh, but playing with him was nuts because I just looked up to him. I mean, yeah. it's Michael Vick, bro. You know, the first time he even took the field, bro, the whole stadium stood up. So this was after his controversy? Yeah, this was, he had basically just got out of prison. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. You know, so, um, you know. So it was, but that dude has like an aura about him. He just, he was just a monster. That's so crazy, bro. He was, he was just, he was a monster. And, uh, you know, I can only imagine what Atlanta Vic was like. Yeah. You know, like, man, but, but AP is, there's nobody like him. You know, and I played with Donovan, Jason Taylor, Michael Vic, you know, I mean, you know, I got Brett at the end, so Mm -hmm. I can't. You know, I got geriatric Brett. Got you. But I still was able to see why people love him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he just, I could see it. You know, he was, he was, I could see how people would just love to block for him. Cause he, you know, you, you remember you asked that question, how do you, you know, keep a natural balance between your love for the game and the business? He took that. 
he made you feel like you just in the backyard. Like that shit you see mm. on TV is the truth. And remember, I got twenty the twentieth year Brett. Mm. Can you imagine what eight, nine, ten year Brett was yeah, like? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, I know Brett obviously had star power, but that dude AP look like he just he did he had one year, one like we every time we did walkthrough he was at three quarter every day. This is not like a sometime thing. Yeah. He's the only player I ever played with that I never saw ask for a break. Ever. Like, that's just not realistic, bro. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. At some point, you can ask for a break. He never at any point asked to be substituted. We would, like, look at film sometimes and be like, let's see if we could pick a play where he just kind of jogged or took the playoff. Not one play. I mean, this dude is really, his nickname is all day. His fucking ass is all day all the way did you ever ask him about his mentality it's what i just told you he believes like you know so when you get your weekly binder on the front of the playbook is the team that you're playing what time in the stadium but they never changed his cover and it was like a statement of basically like anything i set my mind to i could do and that's that basically i'm paraphrasing gotcha, of course. Gotcha, but gotcha. you know he just bro he was a monster you know he just I just never played with anybody like that. You know, he just, he was my roommate on the road. So, I mean, I got, I was real cool with him. Like I got real, real, real tight with him. When he hurt his knee, everybody was sick. Yeah. You know, we just, and he and I had snuck out that night. So we was already clowning, you know what I mean? Like we met back in the room. (laughs) We had all snuck out that night. So uh, me and him was getting it in, you know? And, uh, and I remember leaving the locker room at halftime because he's like, yo, it's like, man, you know, we get three days off, which is unheard of in the league. It's like, man, let's go, you know, let's go smash these fools, finish the game, and we get these three days off. It's like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> they're up, right? So I'm on kick return. So, of course, so they kick the ball, and, and it goes out of the end zone. So I'm coming off the field, and it's basically like a reaffirmation. Like, hey, let's go start it off right. You know, we just talked about it. First play is when he tore his knee. Mm. I mean, when I tell you the feeling in everybody's stomach, you know what I mean? Because this is the toughest dude that I've ever played with. Yeah. And he was banging on the ground in oh. pain. Like the feeling in your stomach is just like, I mean, it took me days, bro, to get over that shit. Really? You know what I mean? Just because first of all, he's a good dude. Yeah. So you'd hate to see that happen to a good dude, but especially someone, you know, like he just, you know, he, you know how people say work like it's your last play. He's the only player I ever played with that actually did it. Yeah. He really played like it was his last play every time, you know, like that Kobe shit. Mm-hmm. Like a mama mentality, we, you know, look, I'm a hard worker, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not lazy. You ain't gonna find nobody tell you that, but that's some other shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and so it's easy to see why he's still able to play. And this is his like, because we came out the same year, bro. So this is his 13th or 14th year. You know, like, he's a dog, man. Yeah. You still keep in touch with a lot of these guys? Yeah. I, I, well, me and him will text a few times a year. I talk to my running back coach, our running back coach of Minnesota, a lot. Um, he's in Arizona now. Um, so, you know, but um, Toby Gerhardt, you know, he's a good dude, California, too. So, um, you know, you, you keep in touch with a few. I talked to Donovan just before the pandemic. Um, he lives in Arizona. He he been for a minute. So mm-hmm. some guys you do. You know, some guys you, you know, you lose touch with, but, um, you know, everybody got families and be doing it. Yeah. So let's talk about your exit. What, what, what was it that made you decide that this was it? 
well, my mind started to shift towards what we talked about at the beginning. And so I, I already subconsciously was planning my exit. Gotcha. So in my mind, I was like, look, because it just became increasingly difficult to go through training camp, not mm-hmm. physically, just emotionally. Gotcha. You know, like, and I, and I, and my son would go to school in whatever state we were in. And then we would go to school and we came back to California. And I knew I didn't want him to keep doing that as he got to eight, nine, ten, and you know I just so I knew I needed to plus the stress mm-hmm. of nothing ever being good enough. I got tired of that. Yeah, you know, like I, I, you know, so in Chicago, there was a period where I was like, you know, if I can make this team at, and the funny thing about Chicago is I was brought in there, and for the first time in my life. I was brought in as an afterthought, mm. you know, meaning they didn't expect me to make the team, not because of my talent, but because by then this is year six or seven. So my minimum is high. It's it's almost triple what the other guys were. So this is what people don't understand about the business. It doesn't matter if I'm better. If, if I'm not way better, then they'll just pay the guy that's cheaper. Mm. See what I'm saying? So this is the part that people don't get. So even though I'm better, they weren't giving me the reps that I, I uh, that I deserved to get because they wanted me to get beat out. They didn't want me to to beat those guys out. They needed to be able to justify why they kept that guy over me. So they they limit um, my my touches. So it was very frustrating, you know, because again I had never been thought of in that way ever, you know. So um, so it tested my mental fortitude. You know, like I always say, are you still the person you think you are, even when everybody around you is indirectly telling you you ain't shit? But I already told you how I get motivated by just that. Mm -hmm. So the thing that makes everybody else might get down on them, it it motivates the shit out of me. Oh, I can't do something. Okay, motherfucker, let's see. You know, so I took that mindset. Not to mention, are they doing that? But remember, I'm a running back. But really, I'm more of a, so I'm a third down back and I'm a special teams guy, right? So at that time, Matt Forte was about to resign, you know, and Matt Forte at that time was like arguably the best all purpose back in the league, you know, as far as catching and throwing, he was the, I mean, catching and running. He was mm-hmm. like the best at that time. So I was behind Matt Forte who had just signed for 32 million, literally just signed that wow. year. They had just signed Michael Bush who came from the Raiders for 14 million. So I'm not going to, nec- I'm not going to beat them out. Yeah. Right. Because they're making too much. It doesn't matter how much better I am than them. If, you know, even if I was shitting on them, I'm not beating them out. They make too much money. But then I'm a returner. Right. So, well, they had the greatest return man to ever walk the fucking planet. Devin Hester. Right. So. But the good thing about that was, is Devin was kind of phasing himself out of kick return. And he was just going to focus on punt return because he was playing a lot of receiver at that time. So he's like, well, shit, I'm not going to be doing kick return and punt return and receiver. So. They were phasing him out of that. But they just signed Eric Weems to do that from Atlanta, who had just made the Pro Bowl, and he signed for like 12 million. Mm. So I had like 70 million at the positions that that I go for. So not only did they have younger guys that they wanted to put in, you know, before me, but that's why, because they had so much money already invested in mm. those positions. So they were limiting my carries like crazy. You know, I mean, it's so frustrating because the guys in front of me are just messing up and just bullshitting. And it's so it's frustrating. But I remember telling myself, you know, if I make this team against this, these odds, 
can't nobody tell me shit. And what yeah. that really was telling myself is I'm exactly who I thought I was. Yeah, hell yeah. So fast forward, you know, to the second preseason game. And that I'm supposed to get that return. Now my son comes to see me, right? So his mom and my son come up there, and it's his birthday. He's five. So I'm talking to him before the game. Yo, I'm going to do something for you because they. I knew I was going to get this particular return that was going to put me in space. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a play for you. Yeah. He's like, okay, great. Now, there's a lot of things I can deal with, okay? Don't fuck with my babies, okay? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you start adding, making me feel like I promised my son something and then I didn't come through. We got a problem. Got you. Right? So the whole half goes and I don't play a single down. And then they gave that return to Eric Weems and he pushed it for 50. I'm boiling inside, you know? So they're like, hey, Book, you're getting the second half kickoff. And in my mind, I'm like, eat a dick. You know, like, man, I'm boiling. So I'm just back there and I'm like, kick the fucking ball, you know? And like I said, that's when I told you I blacked out, but I broke the Bears record. It was 105 yards. So it was the longest return in Bears history. How was <laughs> went, your son? Went to the house. Sleep. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, goddamn, you know. <laughs> he was asleep. You know, so, you know, but. He still did it. Yeah. It's all good. Oh, yeah. The next week they cut both players that I was competing with. Really? So, you know, but and, I, and, and the crazy thing is before I did that, I bought a first class ticket to go home. And this is what I mean by programming your subconscious. So when I made that vow to myself, I hadn't returned it yet. You know, I hadn't done this yet. I just said, I'm going to buy this first class ticket now. And I'm going to be sitting because after camp ends, you know, you get to you get a certain amount of days off because, Mm -hmm. you know, training camp just ended. So they need to make the rest of their cuts and all of that stuff. So you get like three, four days off. So I was like, I'm going to buy this ticket. And I'm going to be sitting in first class drinking champagne on my way home like, hell yeah, I did that shit. So I already set set the stage right there. This is what it's going to be. And so getting onto the plane, they cut the last guy. Uh, my cousin Curtis was like, yo, they cut him. Like, And I was sitting on the plane in first class drinking champagne on my way home. Like, can't nobody tell me shit. Fuck yeah. And I never played again after that. I love it. Because bro. in that game, I got in the in a few weeks later, I got a concussion. Mm-hmm. And it was my second concussion in like nine months because I got one towards the end of my last year in Minnesota. So I just couldn't pass the test. So they put me on injured reserve. And then, you know, it was just like, I knew subconsciously I was never going to play again after that. Yeah. So, you know, and I wasn't willing to keep my mind right to keep trying to play. So I just let it be what it was going to be. And I just never played again after that. So did you already still have a lot of ties uh, back here, um, back at home? Was that your motivation to come back? No, not really. I mean, I always knew I was coming home. Oh, really? You know, yeah, I knew I was coming home, you know. So as much as, as fun as South Florida was, I'm I'm not from South Florida. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm from, I'm from here. So I always knew I was coming home, you know, um, because since I went to college so far away, you know, college is not like the pros where you get three, four months off. You know, it take me a day just to get here and a day to get back when I'm in Florida. So I couldn't just come home like that in college. Mm-hmm. I was very rare. I was seldom home in college mm. unless it was summer or spring outside of that. And then since we were good, I didn't get that 
vacation time in the sprint in the, in December because I was always getting ready to play in a BCS bowl game, you know. So we're, we're practicing. Gotcha. So you know, I, I I was never really home. So I knew I was coming home, you know. After. So what was it like to be home? You've accomplished the goals that you set for your life, and now, now what? Well, that was the hard part because uh, I thought that I could just retire and raise my son and be happily ever after and just enjoy my time. But you know what they say? What they say? Idle, idle hands are the devil's playground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's when all them thoughts gotcha. creep in. You know, I was so uncomfortable at one point I couldn't, with my thoughts, that I couldn't even sit at home. You know, I couldn't, I just couldn't. You know, I just, the thoughts were just killing me. Yeah. You know, random thoughts, you know, um, of inadequacy. You know, nothing crazy like I wanted to take my life or nothing. Like, I'm just talking about that. I'm just saying the doubts. Yeah. You know, just doubting my, trying to figure out who I was without carrying a football. So, you know, that took me some time. Um, But having, um, you know, like I said, people that you're close to, that just you could kind of lean on while you're doing it you know, really, really helped. So just like I said, having having my family was everything, you know. And so, but I had always told the universe, which is, you know, I'd always told myself that, look, if I do, if, if just let me do what I set out to do and I'll spend my life helping everybody else do it. You know what I mean? So, so I, 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 I basically wanted to be a beacon for it. So let's talk, let's talk about advocate society the um yeah so we well it's really my cousin ronnie uh jenkins it's really his brainchild gotcha so we were heavy into real estate he uh uh, myself and my cousin curtis we were doing the because i love real estate like so i would i'm the guy watching hgtv like all day you know property brothers renovation all that that's Mm. why i bought um, Jordan's family's house. Got you, got you. Because got you. they lived in Carriage Square, and for people who you know have been around Oxnard for a long time, you know, back in the '60s, like all the doctors lived there. Yeah. And so they're really big lots, you know. So we used to go to their house all the time for you know they always were having something over there, cooking food or whatever. So when they were moving, you know, Jordan, everybody was grown, so they were moving, and so they sold me the house, and uh, and I just fell in love with the flipping. So the three of us were doing that, and we were doing good. But one day Ronnie comes in and he's like, yo, because Ronnie's like always thinking all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like a, a like how we talked about imagination and vision. Like he's he's got a knack for like for business in terms of connecting people and putting stuff together. Got you. You know got what you, I'm saying? Like it's just, you know, he just does it really good. So he came in one day and he's like, yo, look, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to do legal cannabis. Yeah. And he was like, and we're gonna make a lot of money and we're gonna be good at it. You know, basically I'm paraphrasing. And so me and Curtis were like, well shit, let's do it. You know, this was like 2016 almost. Gotcha. Like, this was like, you know, it was a while ago. Now, when did you come home? I was done playing in 20, after the 2012 season. Okay, gotcha, okay, cool. But Ronnie is older than me. So Ronnie was done playing in like 05, 06. Gotcha. But then Ronnie lived in Canada for like five or six years. So Ronnie moved back here in 09 so by this time so because ronnie had a gym and then you know like i said ronnie's like yo we're gonna start a gym i was like all right you know let's do that you know so we (laughs) had a gym in camarillo for a while but and it was fun but you know because we don't come from families that you know were you know 
comfortable economically, it was hard for us to charge people mm. what you need to charge them and be as quote cutthroat as you kind of need to be. Yeah. Cause we just want to help kids. So it, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't conducive, you know, for, for business, for good business. Cause we were going to be too nice basically. So we're like, all right, we're not going to do this anymore, especially in real estate was going really good. So, um, but so he's like, yo, we're going to go into legal cannabis. You know, this is going to be crazy and you know, we're going to do it, you know? So it started out. So it's advocate society, but, um, at this point we didn't have a name. We didn't have anything, you know, we just had the idea. And uh, so we just, from then on, he literally put together this team and, you know, and it's just from top to bottom, um, you know, everybody in there is proficient at everything. I mean, it's just, I just doesn't seem like we have any weaknesses. Yeah. And so, you know, we're in cultivation, retail, extraction, distro, you know, all across the board. So, um, you know, <clears throat> in fact, of the licenses that were issued uh, a few months ago, if you look at it, we're the only ones on there that aren't considered a quote big dog. Mm. Like, you know, um, cookies is huge. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like green thumb, you know, these are all of these, you know, all of the companies in the top eight, not counting the, the, the local equity. We're the only ones that don't have experience. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and so, um, and we scored so high that we didn't need to fall into the local equity. So, you know, um, it was, it was, but there was no hope or maybe, and for anybody that's in the cannabis, it's, it's strenuous. It takes a lot of time, a lot of energy and a lot of resources, you know? So, it, it, you know, people who didn't get it, you know, there was a grieving process, you know, you, you have to get a location. You got to pay rent on the location, you know, the, 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 I can show you a picture of just one of the applications, just so you can understand just how strenuous it is. These applications for the people who obviously ain't gonna be able to look at my phone right now are hundreds of pages long. Yeah. You know, wow. so you have to pay somebody to do that. Uh -huh. See that? So this is just, this is an application. Guys, it's a book. <laughs> Giant, right? Looks oh like a phone book, right? Oh my goodness. Looks crazy, huh? You know, probably after page 27 on this, be like, <laughs> all right, we're you good. See that? And that's the condensed version. Oh, my God. So, you know, so the people that, you know, do our, our, our applications, you know, it starts off with hundreds of pages and then they have to condense it down to about 100, mm -hmm. right? So, um, so, you know, you have to do that. And then you have to have a location, you know, and it's, it's just... You know, you have to have all of these different things and then you have to be able to prove to the panel that, you know, you're going to be able to, you know, maintain a certain level of proficiency, you know, and that your plan is going to continue to be able to generate revenue. Gotcha. You know? So for us, it was like the perfect mixture of being able to do business and be on the, you know, the saying in, in stocks, if by the time you read about it, it's too late. You got to be on it before that, yeah. you know, because now the, you know, the, the shares for prices per share has already risen because you're not the only one reading that book that mm -hmm. has that idea. So yeah, you kind of got to know the trends. Right. So he was genius in recognizing, you know, Ronnie was genius in recognizing where this was going to be. Especially 2016. Yeah, man. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, so he was genius in recognizing where this was going to be. And, you know, like I said, putting together a team that, um, you know, Everybody is from here. And that's another thing. Like everybody from Advocate is from here. Yeah. All of us. You know, so 
Everybody likes to talk about, oh, homegrown and hometown this and that. Like, no, we're all from here. You know, like we didn't go reach out to somebody from Texas to come in and, you know, give us some money. So put you, you on. Know, yeah, yeah. You know, like we just had a toy drive and we gave away like 500 toys and like Very 60 cool, bags of, of, of vegan groceries, you know, like so. And we did that at Wanini High School. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So before and then for Thanksgiving we gave away, you know, a bunch of turkey meals, not just turkeys, the whole meal. Yeah. Stuffing, all of that. And then we got some stuff coming up for Black History Month. So um, you know, it's like so it's it's making a lot of money, yeah. But, you know, we this is not something that we just said, Okay, we got a cannabis business and now we're gonna help. Me and Ronnie been doing Healthy Kids Day for the YMCA off of Telegraph for the last six years. Mm. We had a camp there for free with ninety kids there you know, six, seven years ago. You know what I mean? Like we helped buy the uniforms for the North Oxnard Warriors a couple times. Ronnie has a picture outside of Oxnard High School for donating money. Wow. So it's like, you know, we didn't just start doing this, you know, but we're not at the same time going to be pumping it on our social media going, hey, look, I'm giving back to my community. Not that there's anything wrong with you doing that, but that's just not the intent behind it. Yeah. The intent is to help. So our version is, is well, look, we can help stimulate economic growth, especially right now, considering the the, the economy and, and, and what, you know, COVID has done in our area, not someone else's area, on top of the philanthropy that we're doing, you know, and on top of the stuff that we'll just do personally, you know. So, um, you know, our thing is to really, because North Oxnard gets a lot of attention because of the collection. Yeah. But Wainimi, South Oxnard, and you know Wainimi, they're really kind of neglected. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're going to obviously be pouring money in Oxnard, but you know it's it's really to try to, um, you know, we want to pour as much resources in Oxnard, Wainimi, you know, as possible. And we and like I said, we still we've been volunteering in Ventura for years now. I mean, you know, I, I consider myself a like a, a, a like an honorary Ventura citizen. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, considering I went to school here, you know, Ventura's opening up and, and so we'll we'll try to um, get into Ventura as well. So that way we can help use those resources to help stimulate Ventura's economy as well. So but whether we get in or not, we'll still do it. It's just if we can get into Ventura, there'll just be more. That's Got all. you. So, so this the product is sold at where? Well, we're still right. doing the build out and all okay, that stuff gotcha, right gotcha. now. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, you know, because um, like I said, they just barely started to, um, you know, like I said, we just got the Oxnard license not too long ago. Okay, gotcha. And then Wainimi's a whole nother city. So, um, you know, each city has its own deal. Got you. Know? you. But, but, uh, but you'll see that symbol. You'll start seeing that symbol. I'm ready, everywhere. man. You Whenever know. you need somebody to have some samples, I'll try out everything Shoot, for you. Man, I'll tell you what, you know what? You have Ronnie on here and, and I'll make it, you know, I'll tell him to bring you something. <laughs> we can smoke on the pod. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, you know, so um, plus that for us, it was a much better way to deal with injuries or whatever else. That's we what doing. I was going to ask you. The league pumps opioids like crazy. And that's just, it's not conducive for long-term, long-term health, man, at all. Yeah, speaking of the Mike Mike Tyson podcast again, the guy that's on there, that's one of the reasons he teamed up with Mike Tyson because Mike Tyson is doing the um the Tyson Ranch and he's yeah. really into cannabis and the guy Evan, I forget his last name, but he's really um he's really for cannabis and what it can do for, you know, NFL football players sure. because um yeah, because of they're just trying to shoot you up. Yeah, man. I mean, the thing is the concussion um, you know, settlement gets the, you know, the majority of the pub and rightfully so. 
But see, they don't even tell you about the players that are suing them for, you know, kidney failure and all that because of the, the painkillers. Yeah. And the Tordal injections. Guys used to line up and take Tordal and not even be hurt. And they passed that shit out like candy. Just because, excuse me, you you, you didn't want to feel pain while you're playing. Yeah. That Tordal is vicious, man. Like it's it's I remember, man, I had a cracked rib one time. And it hurt so bad I couldn't get up. I had to get help up. And that sounds like, okay, well, you need to get help up. Nah, man, I don't stay down. Yeah. You know, I told my mom a long time ago, if I'm on the floor, something's wrong. My mom is watching. I'm getting up off the floor for one because I need to tell you that you ain't shit. Right? Yo, that hit didn't hurt me. You know, like it's a mind game. So I'm getting off off the rip. I'm yeah. getting up off the ground just for that. But also because my mom is watching. My grandma's watching. You think I'm about to be laying over here on the floor? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, but I had to get help, man. And I, and, and I was bleeding internally. And I got a shot. And all that pain I'm telling you, not only did it go away, but it went away so much that I forgot it happened. So I showered and left without getting no painkillers. Man, when I tell you my son mom almost had to take me to the ER at like 2 in the morning because I couldn't move. I just couldn't move, bro. So bad. Wow. Ask me if I missed a game, though. <laughs> nope. S- nope. See? <laughs> I mean, you know, so it's okay for you to give me, you know, all of these crazy anti-inflammatories that are going to just eat away at me long term, but you don't want me to smoke no herb? Yeah. What are we talking about? Yeah. You know, and so for me, you know, and that's also going to be part of what Advocate is doing is is proper education in regards to cannabis. You know, so, um, you know, it's like, you know, I could buy cigarettes at the corner. Cigarettes yeah. ain't, tobacco ain't healing nobody. Yeah. Alcohol ain't healing nobody. Matter of fact, they're one in two killers in the U.S. every year. Yep. Consecutively. That's one after the other consecutive. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but you're telling me a plant that actually has healing properties, but there's something wrong with me smoking that. Come on, man. You know, you want to shoot me up with morphine, though. You know, like all this other stuff you'll give me. You know, I could go eat McDonald's all day. That's not a problem either. Yeah. You know, but but McDonald's is essential. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Have you had your break today? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, it's 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 really the miseducation of cannabis that, you know, is is a lot of the issue. And that's actually going to be one of our branches, too, is just proper education. You know, you're not walking into any of our retail centers without having videos and for sure someone on site all the time that can educate you in whatever product is in there. Not just on how much CBD or THC is in it, but, you know, what healing properties you could use this for this. If you, you know, you're feeling gotcha. depressed, use this for that. If you got swelling, use this for this. You know, and, and it's like you said before, it's not just the what, but the why. Yeah, definitely. Know? So. Um, you know, we, we we definitely want to take a more holistic approach um, to this. Dude, I love it, bro. I love the story, man. <laughs> Super motivating. And I love to see on, you never really get to see like on the other side of it. You know, sure. I accomplished everything. Now what are you going to do? I'm going to give back. You know? uh, all the way. Bro. I love it, man. All the way, man. And uh, as far as the um, the business goes, like I'm I'm huge for that and not not just smoking as far as you know partying and things like that but really helps me out a lot and it uh with that anxiety and it helps me sleep and it just helps me turn my brain off because i'm cooking all day 24 yeah. <laughs> 7 just thinking about something and a lot of the times the thoughts are are good but sometimes they're not good i'm like man i need to turn this shit off yeah, you know and um i'm looking forward to it man for sure. We're going to have you down there, man. Yeah. So y'all could come in, man. We'll send y'all with some stuff. Like you said, hey, 
So we got we got to have testers. You seen that movie, <laughs> Grandma's Boy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see my grandma wants to smoke too. <laughs> Dope, man. Well, Lorenzo, thank you so much for coming, brother. I really appreciate it. Appreciate y'all having me, man. Of course, man. So before we get out of here, uh, where can people follow you at or follow what you got going on? Well, I'd like, well, you know what? I don't have a personal IG, um, but, you know, obviously the business does. Okay, cool. So it's just uh, Advocate Society. You know, just just get on Instagram and look at uh, Advocate Society. Yeah, we'll have it listed below. Yeah, follow us, man. And, And like I said, really, you get on there right now and you'll be able to see um, you know, a lot of the philanthropy that, that we've already done so far. Like I said, we're just now starting to post stuff. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's not like you're going to be able to get on there and, 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 and see like years worth. Yeah. You know, because even though Advocate Society as an idea, um, you know, has something that was four years old, you know, in terms of it being so organized that we can actually pump it out, you know, to the public it's it's you know that's different yeah (laughs) so you know so they're not going to get on there and see a bunch of stuff but you know they're going to see it's coming it's advocate dot society advocate dot society all right society on instagram and then we're on facebook too but um you know same thing you'll see that logo i'm looking forward to it bro looks kind of like the avengers logo hell yeah you know so we got to drop you guys off some gear and all that stuff too. we're with it brother All right, man. Thank you once again for your time, bro. I really, really appreciate it. Appreciate it. And thank you guys for listening, man. I'm excited to be back podcasting. I miss it. I love it. And uh, hopefully we motivate some of you guys. Guys, we're both two dudes from the 805, man, chasing our dreams. And um, if we could do it, you could do it too. You know, this is Downtime with Downstar episode 218. And we're out. Peace.